welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plus, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the daddy-o, the one and only, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 207, and this week we've got another really busy week for you. Loads of news to catch up on as the transfer window slammed firmly shut on Friday night. We've got two games to review. We've got incomings and outgoings and all sorts. Plus, in those two games, we've got a loss and a very convincing win uh, from a scoreline perspective. Uh, And helping us to do that, we've got a bit of an expert in tonight. It's none other than head coach and the third outlooker, I think it's fair to say, Ross Hamilton. Welcome back. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for joining us. I do like that tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's a permanent... I mean the outlook of one. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the head coach one. <laughs> so Ross, you were last at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers, episode 195 on the 6th of October. It had just been announced you were stepping down as interim head coach to go back to assistant manager. And as you sit before us this evening on February the 2nd, you are late in Orient head coach. So what we're going to ask firstly is how did you get from stepping down <laughs> to where you are this evening, essentially what changed and what was the trigger point where you went, do you know what, actually I didn't fancy it, now I fancy it and I believe I've got the skill set to go and take it forward. I think there was a lot, there was a lot of twists and turns that everybody has seen and experienced. Um, obviously the change of, of manager, the change of head coach in terms of me not not doing that role um, and, then, and then Carl coming in. Um, I think I I'd started to see a little bit more about how other people would work. You know, I've worked for other people, but but I suppose after everything that we'd been through and success and and the way that I'd found the job, it, it started to look a little bit look look a little bit different when when Carl come in and and we tried everything we could to to help him, but obviously it never worked out. And I stepped back in to become interim again, and it genuinely was that again the interim role, and and my opinions hadn't hadn't. Um, hadn't changed a great deal at that time but I think the circumstances and I've said this a few times but the circumstances of going into the job and not flying and everything being wonderful and successful started to make me think well actually like I feel like I managed the the pressure quite well and it hasn't gone particularly great um but a big factor was um like it was when when uh, when the, when the first time when I decided I didn't want to do it was was sitting down with with Ken and Nigel. Uh, obviously, I have regular contact with Martin, so it's a little bit different. I don't want to take the edge off of that, but I always sort of know his opinion and what he thinks. But when I sat down with Ken and Nigel and I spoke to Matt, um, different members of the board, they really filled me with confidence about how I'd gone about the job, the way that I worked, the that some of the performances that we put together, albeit that they didn't turn out to be positive results, but how we'd come through, obviously, what was an extremely difficult time. Um, and all of those sort of things then started to make me sort of look at myself a little bit more and maybe say to myself, well, you know, am I capable? Um, have I been capable of doing the job in, in, in extreme uh, circumstances? So I started to gather a little bit more belief. And then I think... Because I'd gone through such a period of time of actually doing the job, it was almost like I'd had a real good chance to experience it rather than going in full throttle and becoming becoming a, a manager straight off the bat. I'd had a real opportunity to sort of work it out for myself and, and started to sort of believe in myself a little bit more, whereas at the beginning I probably never viewed my 
looked upon me as, as being a being a manager and certainly not late an Orient manager. So um, I think my confidence built over a period of time and then like I say, having that belief um, from from the people that matter at the end of the day really f- filled me with with, with, with with that belief word again, but with that real uh, confidence in, in the fact that I felt like I could go and do it. We had a question that came in. We've, we've invited questions from uh, the Orient fans uh, in general today, but Mark Soiter on Twitter tweet, uh, tweeted us and he said, what do you feel that the main difference between, what do you feel the main difference is between having the role on an interim and a permanent basis? Do you feel different now that you're permanent rather than yeah. on interim? Yeah, massively. Um, and it was different, I think, on, on both the circumstances. Um, I think the fact that I stepped into the, the role when Justin passed away, I, I do genuinely think that it was, um, you know, a lot of the players, it, it gave players comfort. And I think if we all look at whenever we you lose someone, comfort's the first thing you, you crave and that you want. So I think... And Yeah, and I think hopefully I gave the boys that um, and gave everybody an opportunity. And like I said, right from the very beginning, it was about trying to get stability making coming to work normal again. That was our biggest focus. Obviously, we want to win games of football. We want to do well. But as, as much as it's going to pain people for me to say it, that's secondary when, you, when mm. you lose someone so close to you. So that was our focus. And then obviously, then when I went back in as, as the interim the second time, then it was about, well, hold on a minute. We need to turn results around. Um, we, need to, we need to have a little bit more about us. We need to find our identity whether it was find our identity again or rebuild a new one is almost irrelevant now, but it was about trying to, to clarify those sorts of things. And then I think when it started to get lean towards looking like making the appointment permanent again, I think then it, it was about clarity. It was about clarity of where's the club going. It was about clarity of you know how strong am I to go and step in and, and really take the ball by the horns and become the manager and commit. Um, to, to that role or not as, as, as I'm sure it could have been um, and then for the players I think for the players then to look and go right whether I like him whether I don't whether I think he's any good whether I don't whether we've been great or whether we've not he's the manager now he's making the decisions he's going to bring me in or take me out of the team it gave everyone that real clarity first and foremost me but the club the supporters but then ultimately for the players that have got to come in every day it gave them that real direction as to right this guy's in charge now and, and we've got to put all our efforts into to listening to him for like I say for the good or the bad whether they were happy about it or not in, in terms of trying to turn things around and, and take us forward so the coaching staff has been quite a big uh, talking point <coughs> over the last two weeks I'm not sure if you can share any detail with us but What's the latest on the Danny Webb situation? It, it, you've answered it there, really. I think everybody knows that I try to be honest in everything that I do, and if I could sit here and tell you exactly what it was like and how it was panning out right now, I would do. I, I'm the same as I think the answer that Nigel or Martin gave everybody that was at the event on Thursday night. Right now, we can't give it. I can't give an, an opinion. I can't give a, a status on it. I'm not dodging it. I, I know you know that, but that's as far as I can go with it. And I think one thing I would say is that I think there'll be clarity soon. Okay. So it has been asked. We have asked what's yeah, the question. And about I do anyway. apologise that I can't answer it. <laughs> no, there's obviously something legal there that Martin uh, had alluded to on, on Thursday night. So uh, we had a retiree uh, at the club fairly <laughs> recently. It sounds like such a, an inappropriate word to use on someone so young, but, but we did. Dean Brill retired from playing 
football for the second time. He's joined the coaching staff. Is he acting assistant at the moment? Then is he? Is that kind of what he's he's been? Because he's quite a big character, isn't he? David? Yeah, massive character. I think first and foremost, we have to all praise the man for what he did for us, for the club, for his own career of finding it again, and the amount of games, the amount of football. The awards, the clean sheets, the, the championship winning season that he had off the back of being a retired footballer to come again and do what he'd done was absolutely mind-blowing. So I think it's important that we don't forget that. Um, but as a right now, he hasn't got a designated title. Um, there's the three of us between myself, Dean and Joby that, that are, the, are the coaching staff, the management staff at the club. Um, Dino's come into that role and... and taken on a lot of organisational stuff but really um, drives high standards he's got he loves he loves football he loves this club um, he wants to help everybody get better and, and so far he's sort of pretty much really from the day that he got injured we'd already been having conversations with him about it but from the day that he got injured he, he and he was back on his feet again he's been back in and he's really driving people on and, and he's a big voice he's a big character um but he's he's um, he's not just that. He's got a real you know, coach's eye. He's got a real drive to to make things better at the club and and, and push things on. So he's come in and he's he's taken taken to it as well as he he was doing it before before Justin put him back in the team. And without getting too granular about it, does that mean that his wage comes off the playing wage and goes on to the coaching staff wage now, which frees up? A I think it's, yeah. I don't know there. exactly how that works, but I think. That will evolve over a period of time. Obviously, Dean had a, a, a period left as a as a player. Um, I'm sure that would be reflected in terms of the whether it's the length of the contract it will take on as a as a okay. member of the coaching staff. I don't. I'm probably going totally, too granular, but yeah, just no. To be honest, it's probably a better question for, for <coughs> Martin to answer <coughs> in terms of how that was managed. But I think that might be something that's that's managed across a period of time. I, I don't know exactly how that will look. So we'll come on to the week that was um, shortly, but previous to that, we got our first win in your spell as head coach against Newport. Was that a relief? Did you feel like a monkey was on your back with that, or were you just calm and collected? And no, I don't think I was calm because it took nine minutes <laughs> for the uh, for the final whistle to go, and it was quite surreal because they'd spent most of the game time wasting and then gained the initiative off the back of it by by getting the minutes paid back to them once they scored. So it was a bit surreal, but. It's really strange when, um, obviously we won the game at Cambridge um, and it gave everybody a bit of a lift and then we didn't build on it. And I think um, one of the boys said it to me a little while ago, Matty Harold, he said to me, you know, we all have times in our career when it goes tough and it's difficult. And one thing you then start to do, said it about Stevenage yesterday, is you sort of forget how to get over the line, how to grind out a win or see a win through because of the nerves, because of the edginess. And, and Cambridge was almost a... Mm. perfect example of that we were fantastic for 55-60 minutes and then and then maybe the nerves set in on that occasion so it was it was for me it was always looking and thinking right we need to get that first one done get that monkey off the back like you refer to um, in order to show the boys that they are capable they are good enough because some of our performances have been or our periods in games have been good enough but we haven't been focused enough for me sometimes to see that through big moments tough moments we've letting a lot of goals in between 40 and 45 or 
85 and 94, 94, you know, them sort of real big moments where, where you're tired and you're fatigued and you need to keep your concentration. So it was nice to get it. I thought we deserved it. I didn't think it was one of them where we limped over the line, albeit you know, it was a bit nervy towards the end. But I thought the performance on the whole, on the day, we, we, we were the better team that deserved to get those yeah, three points. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Just coming back to the question that Steve asked earlier about the, or I asked earlier about the difference between the interim and the permanent, I guess where you had, if you like, for want of a better word, the safety net of as the interim that you can roll back to the head, uh, to the assistant. Has that added? Obviously, that came into your thought process. Probably it was front and centre when you were deciding whether or not you want to do away with the interim and go full, full on head coach. Yes. Just, yeah. How much? On. How much did that play a part in you going? Well, actually, there is no sort of. I think. Step back. Yeah, I now. think it played a big part. Um, and that is, this is going to sound a strange way of putting it. It don't really matter, but um, I'm a normal bloke, and I have had a normal upbringing and career, and I haven't, I haven't had a play in football playing background where I've earned a lot of money, and I'm in a stage where I can take risks, and 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 because of that upbringing and background, I've never looked upon myself as being a football manager because I thought I'm Ross Embleton, who the bloody hell is going to make me a manager? So it's not really something that I've ever really. I'd ever really considered, which why I was so comfortable with going back into that interim role. And I hear so many times about this manager stepped into it. Oh, I've got the bug for it. And I really wanted to carry on doing it. And it was a genuine, I'll take it or leave it. I'll do this for, if the club want me to do it for a year because, because of the situation, I'll do it for a year and then I'll step back into my role. It wasn't because all the time, because of the comfort, but I was so comfortable in doing that role. And I think I was very good at it when I worked for other people because it was something I'd always done. Mm. I was always comfortable to go back and do it again. And the big job didn't blow me away enough to think, well, that, that's what I'm going to jeopardise. And then the flip side of that, because of where I've been and what I've been, I've always had in the back of my mind is, I don't want to lose my job. I've lost jobs in the past and financially lost out on a lot and moved the family and it's not worked out. And that causes hell of a lot of upheaval for everybody. And it's no different for me. And I thought to myself, do I want to put myself in that position where I'm looking over my shoulder thinking, what do I do next? Mm. Or now I'm a football manager that's out of work and I've got to go and find another job as becoming a football manager. Whereas actually, I saw my strengths as being really capable. So it did, It was a lot. It was a big thing to say, do you know what, okay, I'm going to step out of this comfort zone because of that. And I'm not ashamed of it because... Ultimately, at the end of the day, you know this job means the world to me. The, the club means the world to me. Us doing well, I want as much as you know, nearly as much as anything. But ultimately, my family's life and and you know their 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 comfort and and, and them 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 not having you know, us not having to look over his shoulder is a, is a big part of anybody's well being. So it was always something at the back of my mind. But like I say, I suppose I got myself into a position of sometimes, you know, you're in it. Your life's too short. Give you know. Have a right good going. Yeah, so Ross Embleton is here all night. This could be quite a long one. We've got matches, as Paul said. We've got lots of views, loads and loads of questions to ask for us. So, as always, we'll start with a sponsorship update. So, we are proudly sponsored by AJF Plastering, who are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And you must all know this by now. The best part is that they offer 15% off for all O's fans and staff. 
Do you need any plastering work done at I your do. house? Yeah, I do, yeah. I've, I've, I might give him a shout. Fair. There you go, Ad. See, we asked him. I'm sure 20% <laughs> from Mr. Embleton My must missus be. does most of it, honestly. So for oh, more, she did some good wallpapering, to be fair, the other day. Yeah. Yeah. So for more information for Ross and for everyone else out there, for the best plastering and rendering prices, you can get Adam via email at ajfplastering at outlook.com or you can visit AJF Plastering on Facebook. Or you can find Adam on Twitter at Big Ads L O F C. That is the sponsorship update, supporters club update. We've got two trips to tell you about this week. Firstly, we're visiting Cheltenham Town on Saturday, the fifteenth of February, as coaches leave the club at eight thirty for a three o'clock kickoff. K- uh, tickets for this one are going to cost you uh, thirty quid for adults, twenty-seven for concessions. And then we go to Forest Green Rovers on the 29th of February. Coaches are leaving at 8.30 for a 3 o'clock kickoff. There is a flat fare for all categories at 25 quid as a leap year treat. These trips will also cost you another 3 quid if you're not a member. Under 15s can travel for half price, but they've got to be with an adult. Remember, the price is quoted. Do not include your match day ticket. So you can book any of these trips by going into the supporters club on a match day. Or the standard travel line is 07722-135970. So also going on at Supporters Club are quizzes. So the next quiz takes place on Sunday the 5th of April. Doors open at 5pm with the quiz starting at 6. The cost for this one is £8 a head with a max of 8 people in a team with half-time sandwiches included. And all money raised will go towards the O's youth and the ladies football team. So you can book for this one by contacting Lee Deering on Twitter at gorillas1985 or via email at lmd85 at hotmail.co.uk or in the supporters club by either seeing Lee or David to book your team in. Can I just say, Lee is a great quiz master, by the way. Yeah. So he provides me, well, I'm the David quiz master on the coach okay. for the long away trip. Lee provides me with a quiz for every away trip. Does it deliver it to the staff on the coach? Can we yeah. ask who is there like a constant winner of the quiz or is it a mixed bag? Who's the clever clogs on there? Michael Cooper, sports really? scientist. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's alright. Okay. Yeah, he's strong. Um there's a few that are not. Reese Otley's thinks he's clever, but he's <laughs> um, private school education didn't do really <laughs> Yeah. Fantastic insight that you don't get anywhere else on this podcast. <laughs> of course, the sports scientist guy is a clever one. So moving on into the Leighton Orient Trust. Yeah, the Trust hosted a stadium tour for local students from Lauriston and Seabright schools following a sports festival at the Score Centre. On Wednesday, it was the first session of uh, Fit O's, welcoming 25 men to the free Healthy Lifestyles programme. We'll be carrying out more sessions throughout the year for men and women. Uh, go to the uh, website, which is www.efltrust.com forward slash fit fans for more information. Yes, thank you to the Trust and the Supports Club for their updates. There's yeah. quite a bit of AOB this week. So there firstly, is. thank you to a Mr. Doc <laughs> BCCTV for his kind review on iTunes this week. We ask for reviews every week. Uh, this guy gave us a nice five-star one with a nice review, review. So not a name I'm aware of, but thank you to Mr. Doc. Yeah, absolutely. Um, LOSC Sunshine have been in touch as well, so we've given you the supporters club um, coach. Uh, there is an alternative coach option for you, if you so wish. Um, so LOSC Sunshine, Joe has messaged us and said, please be advised that he'll be taking payment for the Leap Day Express to Forest Green this coming Saturday against Macclesfield Town before, during and after the game. Joe's going to be outside the ticket office from 2.15 pre-game until kickoff. 
in the West End Bar in the North End at half-time and then again outside the ticket office post-game for about 20 minutes afterwards. And please be advised, this bus remains totally sold out. So the Forest Green bus uh, is totally sold out. And please also be advised, he says, that nearly 40 seats have gone for the final bus of the season, the Sunny to Scunny. And that's usually a fancy dress um, uh, bus. So that's happening on the 4th of April. And to book this one, email gfaburton at hotmail.com. And the cost is £25 a person. And he goes on to say, an exceptional stop has been arranged. Sounds like it's great fun. Safe to say that won't be anywhere near Scunthorpe. Absolutely. And the last piece... I've been to that ground and it's not a great ground. ...of AOB. It comes from Linda Brogan from the Supports Club. And she has asked us to mention the Starman Awards are taking place on Sunday the 26th of April at the Prince Regent Hotel in Chigwell. So to book your place or a table, you can contact Linda at a game in the Supports Club or you can email loscinfo at ALL. Dot com. That was a great night um, oh, last year. Best night of my life. Lots of table dancing. Barring my wedding, of course, in the missus <laughs> and the kids being born. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. But socially, the best night of my life. Yeah. Really? You had a great time? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic we evening. It, Can't so. recommend it enough. So get in touch with Linda to book your seat because that will sell out very quickly. Yeah, as it, it will. And it's not that far away. And no. before you realise it, it'll be the last game of the season and people will be realised scratching around to get on. As happened last year. Oh. As happened last year. So we're going to move on now to the week that was. On Monday the 27th of January, uh, the club announced that the Supporters Club are hosting a Meet the Boss evening with the third outlooker, Ross Embleton, <laughs> on, Wednesday, <laughs> on Wednesday the 19th of February. That's going to be starting at 7.30. So that's Wednesday the 19th of February in the Supporters Club at half seven. To reserve your place, please visit the Supporters Club on match days, Macclesfield or Mansfield. Or you can email supporter liaison officer Karen Harrison, which is k.harrison with two R's at leightonorient.net. Again, loving the fact that you're there, you're open to take questions on the floor because it's a very sporadic and proactive uh, event. But I'm glad that it's actually back at the supporters club. I'm all for doing it in the club, but it's just nice. It just feels a bit, yeah, more, intimate, feel. a bit more intimate. Yeah, I agree. And, it, and it's primarily it's for... For fans, isn't it? So to hold it in the supporters club is nice. And uh, you say about them sporadic, the, the, you know, them you could be put on the spot if you like. But I actually prefer that. I, uh, if someone says to me, "Oh, we might ask you this today," or you, you two know, because very rarely do you ever have to give me the heads up on a question. But I'm actually so much worse if someone tells me what I start preempting things yeah. in my mind. Whereas just people, do it off the cuff. People, is, yeah. Ask me something, I've got no time to think. I've got to tell people what, what I'm Honest. what honestly yeah, yeah, think. Yeah, of course. And, 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 it, and it works best way for me. If people don't like it, they don't like it, but you'd rather know the truth. The truth, yeah. Trying to cover yeah. Orient Loney Shadrach Ogie was named in the National League's official team of the week following his goal and the clean sheet performance for Dover against Dagenham and Redbridge the previous Saturday. Well done to Shad. He's Done all right there, isn't he? What reports yeah, have you had coming back? Yeah, he missed. Um, I think he missed Saturday's game. Just gone because he was he was sick. Um, he's done well. Um, obviously, um, Ernie Hesson Tyler feeds back into us and, and lets us know how he thinks he's doing. We because of the level, we get the opportunity to watch a lot of his videos and stuff to to see how he's actually doing. He's done okay. Um, he needs it. You know, I know one or two people probably raise their eyebrows when I let him go out. Um, the fact that we didn't have Joe Widdison, blah blah blah. But 
Shadrach wasn't going to play for us at the moment. He's not physically in the, probably in the state to play for us at the moment. Um, he's probably not ready as a footballer to play for us at the moment. And that's not me selling Shad short. I believe he's got a real good opportunity of having a really, really good career. But he's got to be right in order to throw him into the, to, to the first team. He hasn't played enough football. Simple as that. Last year it was a real complication because of some of the, the issues we had around some... Uh, international clearance and stuff like that. Um, so we couldn't let him out on loan. He could only play in specific reserve games and stuff like that. It was really difficult. He managed to get out to Stalford for a few games towards the end of last season, but he hasn't played enough football. So absolutely delighted that we managed to get him a National League, league club because I thought it would be more like the Conference South. But it's a great level for him to, to progress mm. at. And I think if he can continue to progress and show the focus that he needs to focus uh, that he needs to have he hasn't got it yet because he's a young boy that hasn't played football and I keep saying it but if he goes out there he can give himself a real opportunity of understanding what it's all about he's still very wet behind the ears because he's a, because he hasn't had those experiences so for him to be in the deep end there at a very good club at a very good level he you know he, he's got to find his way he's got to stay in the team he's got to show consistency over a period of time which he's never had to do so Albeit it was one that people would have frowned at. From my perspective, it's my responsibility that I've got to get him ready to get closer to play for Leighton Orient, which is our ultimate game. And this is the best way for him to do it. Sitting here and being maybe on the bench, maybe getting the team, maybe back out uh, out the squad when Joe Widdison comes back is another wasted six months, however long it works out for, for him. This way he gets a real good opportunity of... Of, of covering a lot this season. Is that the same for Jaden Sweeney? Would we? Do you expect Sweeney to yeah. go out on loan? Or? You know, with Jaden, it's a really strange one because <clears throat> he played for the first team last year three or four times. Um, we really like Jaden. Another one we've got high hopes for. Completely different to Shadrach because Shadrach's a man physically already. Jaden's not. He's got a lot to come. But I think because he played for the first team last year. We forget that Jaden's still only 17. He's still only an, well, he's 18 now, but he's actually still only a second year scholar. But because of mm. we've seen him and he's been revealed and, and he's been around it, everybody then starts to think, well, maybe he could be capable of playing in the first team. And I don't think either of them are far off of it, but we have to respect the fact that they're still, well, for Jaden, certainly he's still a kid. Mm. So he's had a great experience. Stolf, Bishop Stalford loved him this year. They've really, really disappointed when when I had to call him back to, to, to come and protect us with regards to our numbers. Um, but I think once the squad becomes healthier, it'd be exactly the same thing for Jaden to go out and get those experiences of, of playing again for the second half of the season. So if you had to use Shad, because he's been on the bench, um, and if you had to use Jaden, you would? If you had yeah, to? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, obviously I played him in the check in the, well, it's not the check-in, leasing.com games this year, which I know is a little bit different, but it was a massive chance for us to give him experiences with both of their loans, so how it works as, as pros, they have to go out on loan for 28 days as a month, first and foremost. Then once they do that, if you're planning on letting them go for longer, you can then put clauses in that protect the club. So we did it with Jaden's one. He'd been for a month. We put in a clause to say to Bishop Stalford, if we need him with 24 hours notice, we call him back and he comes back into our squad, which is what we've done. Shad's is obviously a bit different at the minute because he hasn't completed his 28 days notice, but he's 28 days loan. Yeah. But once he does, he'll have a similar uh, clause put in there that if we get to the stage where we feel like we want to call him back because of his performances or that we really need him, then we can do that. And I, and I, I would definitely not have 
question marks about putting them in, it's the same thing as I suppose you could relate it to, to someone like Hector Kipriano, putting them in every week at their age is a huge burden for a, for a lad of that age. So keep right. dipping them in, the experiences are going to hopefully be positive ones and we give them more chance of progressing quicker. Good point. Cool, because I, I, I said quite a few times I couldn't get my head around the fact that if he's good enough for the bench, is he not good enough to play? And that's my disconnect in yeah, where I, and I, can I, understand I just don't know. That. I can understand that and, and maybe I think your mindset sometimes when you're putting someone, a young one on the bench is that one, you want to fill the bench up in terms of having those players on the bench and give them those experiences of being around it. If there's 20 minutes to go and you're in a comfortable position or there's an injury to someone in their position, you know you can put them on. That, to be honest, that would probably been the plan for for us with Jaden last year when he came on against Wrexham. I think was it was it George that got injured and he and he and he came on and played and done really well. So um, the understanding is that you trust them to do it, whether you'd actually put want to put them in and start them with without yeah, the experiences right. you feel that are right for them. You know you have to be a little bit more cautious when when that's the case. And like I say, for for Shad physically, he's a big boy, he's a man, but he needs to go and play football to build up his match fitness. He's men's football fitness because he's never ever done it before right. so the two over games, a period yeah. of time anyway so two games he has played two clean sheets and a goal so he's yeah. not doing too bad no, he's done well. he yeah, took that goal really well, well yeah, to be fair too. like really well fair play to Shad and then to finish off Monday at half past six in the evening the club announced a signing forward Danny Johnson from Dundee on an 18 month contract subject to international clearance so Danny said I'm delighted to be here I played against the club two years ago in the National League and on the day you look at the ground you look at the size of the club it's a great club to come to everywhere I go I'm going to score goals I'm a w- willing runner hard working and a fox in the box I like it so I guess our question is probably a bit redundant but because he's just answered it but uh, in, in that statement we're going to ask it anyway or what impressed you about Danny? That is it's that about him that belief that he's going to score goals and he wants to score goals and I think that sounds like a really silly thing to say but I do think that it is the extra edge of 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 fine Maka. If you if you look at Maka, Maka would be fuming if he come off in games last year and never scored. And you think, well, it's only been a game or two games, but he would be fuming because his sole focus and his idea of playing well was that he scored. And I, I don't know or don't think every single striker has that. And 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 maybe they shouldn't. Maybe we say that different strengths and you know, mm. different partnerships, different players give you uh, different outcomes and, 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 and there's a lot to be said for that but ultimately the game is about, about scoring and you want people with a belief of going out on a pitch to, with that focus of scoring goals and getting into positions where they're going to be able to, to get their name on the score sheet and Danny definitely has that. He stood out for us when we played against Gateshead um, and there was we've had, we had uh, Justin had meetings with him eighteen months or so ago about about coming and he chose the opportunity to go to the Scottish, Scottish Premier League yeah. which which totally probably looking back at it the appeal to go and play at that level or the National League I think I think most of us would take take that choice so he's someone that we've always had our eye on we had a number of strikers that were on our list some loans some permanent ones but we just felt that the um, the work and the effort and the information that we picked up on Danny and his character and the type of lad that he was, as well as the, all, the, you know, all the football stuff, was something that we found ourselves quite ahead of, even though we, we weren't sure that he was totally available when it came up. 
And I think the other side of that, he said there about it being an 18-month contract, I think that shows a little bit of intent in terms of the longer term. And it's not just about the short-term loans of here till the end of the season. It's about trying to show a little bit of a, a focus on, on where we might go in the longer term by some, having someone who's here for, longer, for yeah. a longer period. So seems, speaking of a longer period, it's probably a good time to ask you about Lawrence Vigoru. So he obviously came earlier in January, yeah. but you've been happy with his progress so yeah, far? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, people have been thinking, because I've repeated myself a few times with it, but it, he's, he's, a, he's a great character, Lawrence, big character, and he's already come into the, into, the, into the club and really imposed himself on the group. And He talks a lot of nonsense, like a lot of goalkeepers do sometimes, <laughs> but he's, a, he's an energetic lad and, and, and he does, he does, um, he does energise people. So he's been great on that front, but for his frustration, obviously he suffered with a international clearance thing to begin with, which meant he weren't eligible to play, which I'm sure was frustrating. And then he had a week off ill, which again set him back. Then he's um, one of his children got taken into hospital, so then that set him back. So it was like almost like he couldn't get started. Um, so it's frustrating for him, obviously frustrating for us and. I'm sure for fans seeing seeing a new signing that's sort of you know like having a bag of sweets behind the window and you can't quite get to him but you can keep staring at him but he um, yeah so it's it's been a frustrating uh, period for him but for me he's a fantastic goalkeeper top like you know he's got a lot of the attributes that a lot of real top goalkeepers have have, have got um, and he's got a, a very strong mindset and belief in his own ability which I think is is great. Crucial, thing to have for any anyone in anything that they do that real belief in yourself so um, you know I thought he went into the I looked at him before kick off yesterday and he had the sun in his eyes and a wind blowing a gal bobbly pitch I thought oh, like, welcome like, for your first first performance but I thought that he um, he made some comfortable saves shots from distance but his kicking was was clean and good and, 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 he, and he stepped in well yesterday so um, no, he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a great lad and one that I'm really pleased that we managed to get and Usa settled in Usise has settled in really yeah. nicely isn't he yeah really nicely he's, again a bit stop start for him for different reasons but we couldn't jeopardise losing him for injury so I've had to juggle him so carefully but it was a, a delight to a degree because when I brought him off at crew on Tuesday night 70, 72 minutes I think it was he sat down next to Joby and, and, and said, that's the best I've felt. So I was really pleased thinking right now, I know that when he comes Saturday against Stevenage, he's going to be capable of 90 minutes or really, really close to it. And I think he come through the game, obviously he's got himself a goal, but I think his performances have been good. He's shown a maturity that we didn't quite have in that position. Again, no, no fault of, of Hector Kipriano. I think when he stepped in the team, he's, he's done well. Yeah. Um, but you know, with that experience and the physique and everything that that, that Cisse's had to us, it's um, it's been a good start for him. Cisse seems to be rapidly turning into a fan's favourite, and as you'll hear, there's lots of tweets coming about how good he is. We've also had a lot of questions about the possibilities of him staying past the end of the season. Is think, anything yeah, in his loan contract? There's not. There's nothing in the contract, um, but I think for him, for us. It was a, it was a, for me it was a good signing because I knew everything that I'd watched and picked up and spoke about people about him. I was confident in the player that we were bringing in, but at the same time he hadn't played football for a flipping long time. So 
we needed, I think from the club's perspective, you'd have brought him in and he'd have got a real bad injury because yeah, he'd been out yeah. for so long, or he brought in and it never worked out for him. For him, as well as much for us, there was almost that little bit of see how it goes type type thing for him. But I think we're seeing a really good player, and I think you know it, it, he's certainly going to be a player that we want to we want to strive to have around if he if, if he carries on the way that he is. And, and like for me, it's the type of character that he that he's, that he is as well. You know, he he came straight in and like, set standards and and you know and was a man about the place. Um, and, and that's not easy when you come into a new environment and he, and he has really imposed himself. He's not a loud character, but, but he has an authority and a, and a way in which he, he goes about his performances, but the way he is just in general. So, yeah, if, I think things carry on the way they are. It'd be one that we'd, we'd definitely strive to have over the longer period. And it's, good, and it's good to have a bit of height in the midfield as well. We, yeah. got, it, we got it at the back with, um, with Dan Happy and, and Marv's not exactly a... A short guy. No, that's right. And it makes Lawrence our team, and then the yeah. spine of the team is fairly. Yeah, that's right. And it makes tall. our team uh, a threat and a threat and, and stronger, hopefully, in both boxes physically. Because you know that even if you look at, at yesterday's game, they got they got land of the giants that come up for set pieces. Mm. And it, it's a great one to have to be able to get into and to counteract it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have to say, I'm really pleased with uh, with this signing on paper. Got a good record. Hopefully, fit. This is about Danny. Um, hopefully, fit in and sort of hit the ground running, so to speak. In three years at Gateshead, he played 110 times, and he scored 44 times. That equates to about a goal every two and a half games. And then at, Mother, at Motherwell, uh, he was there for a year. He played 22 times and scored six goals. That's one goal every 3.66 games. And for Dundee this year, he's played 19 times, scored five goals. That's one goal every 3.8 games. So if you're averaging one every three stroke four games, you're going to be all right with the return yeah. uh, on that, aren't you? are going to be yeah. looking at 12 to 15 goals. Um, sometimes we have to remember, well, it's not even remember the level that we're at because you look at Man United trying to you know, scramble and, and, and find yeah. a striker in the January transfer window. It's not easy. And I think I said in the summer that you lose someone like Maka, but I remember when we signed Maka, I liked him because I'd watched him play as a kid and, and grow up and I thought we were getting a good player but I didn't know we were getting a 25 goal a season over two seasons type striker and I think when when you're at this level there's no guarantees of even if you sign someone that's got 15 or 20 the year before that he's going to come and do it again because they're at the level for a reason now there's one or two that, that do do it at this level quite yeah. regularly but to get those is, is difficult so the next thing you have to look at is their statistics of how capable they have been of scoring goals either at the level or around the levels that they've been playing and, and Danny's records everything's a risk yeah, of course it is but his Danny's doesn't mean suggests that you've got yeah, it reduces that risk if, you know, exactly. I don't really like losing yeah. that word but yeah. there's always a risk to you know more you what you get yeah. yeah. so for me I was happy with the signing I think every time we played Gateshead in our time in National League he was a nuisance yeah. and you'd see his name come up and you're like he's probably going to score against us so for me, yeah, I think if we can get the service to him, like say Fox in the box, yeah. score the goals, carries on from where Macca, Macca left off. I think the other yeah. thing what it does as well is it puts pressure on everybody else yeah, as well. Yeah, and yeah, ultimately, right. you know, I'm sure if any of the strikers that we've already got at the club are looking for him, well, is he questioning me, signing me? It's not necessarily that, but it's competition for places that I'm, I know I can put somebody in the team or bring someone off the bench who's as good as what we've got and, and, and going to improve us rather than you know rather than not having that you know mm. it's, it's, it, it should should increase people's work ethic and focus and, and whatever else because you know you're under pressure rather than 
rather than not, yeah. if, if that's the case for people. Absolutely, and we've got a young striker who we'll come on <laughs> to very soon, who is doing amazingly well and putting pressure on the other strikers. Yeah. Who, you know, we didn't see this one coming, or the form that young Mr. Saturio was going to have. Well, it puts pressure on you as well to pick him. Of course, of course, and, and, and we have, and he, and he scored, and I think um, sometimes when you've got a young player under your nose, it's easy to not acknowledge him. Do you know what I mean? But we were a little bit like with Ruel. We all had um, high hopes. We all knew what his strengths were and what, what capabilities he had. And, the, and, and for me, one of the biggest ones is, is not just his work rate, but it's the belief that he's got in himself. Um, but at the start of this year, I felt it was really important, that he, a bit like Shad, that he went out and got the experience of, of playing men's football. Some of that was restricted because he kept going away with Cyprus and getting the... You know, to make it sound like negative but he got called up by his national team it's fantastic to play under 21's football and that so but what it did do is it meant we couldn't get him out to go and play games regular enough because whatever club he was going to we were losing him for a week or 10 days because he was going away with with Cyprus so it made it difficult then obviously he finally went out to, to Dover and, and showed what he was capable of and worked really hard got himself some goals got you know started to get himself in the team and and the loan ended and then I think there was a little bit of a flat line for him because he come back and never got straight in the team um, but as soon as he has he's taken it with taking it with both hands and, and that's where careers are made and started and, and developed and it is when you get, get in the team you take your chance and he's, and he's yeah, done he that. certainly has yeah. he certainly Absolutely. has we had a few tweets coming on this we'll read a couple out now Stephen Orient said that he'd sort seen him play the second half uh, against Motherwell and he looked very lively as he had when playing against Leighton Orient previously I was surprised that Danny was a sub as prior to him coming on Dundee were very poor up front could be a very good signing for the O's Orient Dave tweeted us that, that wasn't not long ago though that Dundee Motherwell game was it was that about last week or the week before so there was a good Probably chance he might not start because he might have been coming to us <laughs> <laughs> absolutely Orient Dave so he's saying he did look lively he looked very lively. I think he came on half time, 45 minutes. That would have been there. Uh, I was surprised he was a sub, as prior to him coming on, Dundee were very poor. Because yeah. I was holding my breath when he came on at <laughs> half time. I hope he never got injured. Don't get injured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, please. Orient Dave tweeted, I said, another great addition. Well done to the club. We've conducted our business well, strength and depth, and looks a lot stronger than the beginning of the month. Four points from the last two matches as well. What a difference a week makes. Boatsy said, great signing for us. Remember seeing him play for Motherwell against Hearts last season and look dangerous. Hope Danny can hit the ground running. And Dan Alton, 2590, tweeted us. Said, can't not be pleased with his signing. More than decent, better than what most of us had hoped for. Yeah, so moving on then to Tahue Tuesday, the 28th of January. Happy birthday to the super four-headed Josh Corson. 31st birthday, I think, for him. Happy birthday to Josh. Yeah. Good Did cakes. he bring in good yeah. cakes? Yeah? yeah, all right. Yeah, not bad. He never got... He never got hammered for him, so okay. good well, that's always with a good me sign. being athletic now, I, I, I don't eat them. But I, I look at uh, no, they, they, there wasn't much stick flying around, so I'm okay. sure the cakes were of a good standard. Good, I'm sure they were. He's that's why we put cakes sometimes in our tweets, wishing them happy birthday, just as a bit of a <laughs> reminder. Like there, still there. So it's time then for the main event on Tuesday evening as the O's were away to crew Alexandra. So the team lined up with Sam Sargent in goal at the back, Marsh, Ekpeteta, Happy, and Brophy in the midfield. Cisse, Wright, Clay. And up top, JMD, Wilkinson and Saturian. And on the bench, we had Janata, Willowson, Judd, Coulson, Kiprianu, Harold and Angle. Yeah, so it was an unchanged starting 11 from the team that had beaten Newport as birthday boy Josh Coulson returned to the bench in place of Jaden Sweeney. It's pretty straightforward selection for this one for you, considering we've yeah. just won? Or 
Mm. Yeah, I think um, the only thing that comes into play uh, after a after a win in a Saturday Tuesday game is the makeup of the boys physically. You know, some clubs haven't had. I think because our game got rearranged with New uh, Northampton, it meant that our fixture list was carnage for this month to a degree or last month. Um, <laughs> so then, obviously, what goes through your mind is: Are we physically in the best shape possible and if there is a change that needs to be or can be made to freshen up the group sometimes it it can outweigh whether or not that person played well the, the game before because you want to make sure that you you're physically capable of competing with the op- opposition but in terms of the selection it, it wasn't difficult to to follow up after after a win and i think over the last couple of weeks we've had lots of tweets when the team gets announced obviously you've got brophy who's not known to be a left back as a left back, then you've got Willowson on the bench, and you've got Marsh, who's not known to be a right back, as right back with a right back on the bench. And lots of questions we had about this, we might as well ask now. A bro, do you see James Brophy as a left back going forward, and George Marsh as a right back going forward? Um, or is it a stop? I think it's an individual case. I think um, James Brophy played at left back for Swindon a lot, so he's played in League One as a, as a left back. I think we all know that defending isn't his first and foremost in his game. It's not the main focus, whereas you could probably argue that if Joe Widdison plays in that position, defensively is his big responsibility. But I think the game has changed now in terms of um, it's not just about left-backs always being great defensively. It's about what they can do for you going the other way. They've got to be capable defensively. But I think in the last four, five games. I'll even go back to the Grimsby game when Brove gave the ball away for the goal. It was the only error he made in the game. And when I say only error, that's not me being wild and trying to blow his um, his performance up. I watched his clips back with him on the Monday morning and the only error that he made in the game was when we gave the goal away. So it's my job to not just go, oh, he's give the goal away, it means he was crap. Now, as a fan, I'm sure most people walk out and blame him for the performance, and that was a conversation that me and him had, but his actual performances have been outstanding. So for as long as James Brophy's performances at left-back are outstanding, he'll play at left-back because we want people performing to the highest level possible. Mm. Joe Widdison, I'm sure, knows that. Well, I know he does because we've had the conversation, but... Um, Joe's been injured someone in front of him is performing well then the reality is you don't get back into the team until the circumstances change whatever they are it's been a bit similar with, with, with George really um, I think we put, we've, we've put him there a couple of times I know that he can play there I've seen him play there for Spurs I've seen him play there as a kid and I know that he's got the capabilities of doing it and, and some of the things that I'm asking for from our fullbacks at the moment mean that George's qualities of you know his quality of passing and that's what we need he has as a midfield player give him a real opportunity of being successful in that position in our team at the moment so for as long as George's performances are the same George will play right back whether that means Juddy coming in or Marv playing there like he did before or Turley when he gets back from injury Lingy when he gets back from injury would remain to be seen but for as long as they're performing there I care less if it's Conor Wilkins <laughs> if we're performing well and winning games of football then it's the right person to play in that position and for me that's all that matters and you've mentioned Turley and Ling and again it's a question that later but as you've mentioned them, Turley and Ling and Jobs are they still yeah, far well, away or well it was interesting because we did very much because of losing Turles Lingy being out Juddy was the only right fullback that we had Joe was out so we did look a lot at the beginning of the window 
about someone that can play both sides because we felt if we could get a fullback that can do both jobs, then if Joe's a long time in, 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 for us to wait for, it wasn't right that we had kept playing Dan there because it, it wasn't somewhere that we wanted him to be playing and he's a better centre half than than he, than he is as a fullback. So we felt if we could find a fullback that could do both jobs, then we'd be winning in terms of looking for you know whether it be alone for the rest of the season or whatever. Um, but in the recent weeks, it's become more clear that Lingy's not 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 particularly far away now. To being back around the groups, so obviously that's a that's a real plus and a real bonus. Turles will be a little bit longer um, because it's that horrible groin area that he suffered with at the start of the season. It's not the same Different. area as the other side, but it's obviously an area that we've got to be really careful with him because we don't want him to break down again because his performances were really good when he was in Amazing. the team. Yeah. Same for him, centre half and right back, two different positions. Jobs um, has been great in terms of his, you know, the coaching input that he has and the, the extra stuff that he's been able to do since he's been back up and moving around again. He's really got to focus on playing again it's in his mind, which we've got to help him do, and he works major amount of hours so that he can contribute to the coaching side of it, but at the same time get himself fit again. So he's really, really working hard. And I think over the next three or four weeks, we'll start to look a little bit more like how realistic it's going to be for Joby to get back because he'll start to do more football-related things, whereas at the minute it's just been running in the gym, on the bike, getting his fitness levels up. So in the next little bit, he'll start to touch the balls again, twisting, turning, and then I think we'll start to learn where he's at with, with, with that injury. Great insight. Yeah, great insight. So your views on that starting? Well, my views are all void because he's just answered all my questions. Fine. Pretty much. Your, your views? Yeah, I, I, I've said it often enough. I like an unchanged side. We've done better in previous years when you've been able to name an unchanged side. You know, the gelling and the understanding that everybody has and, and understanding the game plan is it just works so much better. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of an unchanged side. So, quite a few tweets come in when the team was announced at Steve Chaplin for said, No reason to change the lineup after Saturday's performance. Hopefully, we will gain confidence from that game. Ruel Satoru SZN, not Real Ruel, someone uh, with that uh, Twitter handle said, would have started Hector over Clay, but I'm fine with an unchanged 11. It'd be a bit awkward if that was Ruel tweeting, he wants to play Hector. <laughs> he wants in, to play they are shit bros. I suppose you both yeah, understand yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> an Orient fan TV tweeted us and said, an unchanged side breeds confidence and makes others not in the starting 11 improve their performance, win, and if an opportunity arises. So win win situations. Yeah. So the match kicked off. We'll cover this very briefly because obviously it's happened uh, as you listen to this. Uh, a week or two ago so the match kicked off on a cold night up north with the O's looking to build on the win against Newport and with Crew looking to keep up their charge for automatic promotion off the back of four wins in the last five games yeah so good form from Crew going in at home but we got off to yeah. the worst possible start conceding a goal in the second minute as a long ball was played into the half a comfortable back pass from George Marsh was played back to Sam Sargent who slipped whilst adjusting his feet leaving the onrushing Charlie Kirk with the easiest of tappings as he made it 1-0 to crew I mean what are you thinking what does a, what does a football manager think when that happens yeah. yeah well I've had two it's, it's, um, it's it was such a surreal thing to actually analyse because you think like my only words straight away were really yeah, yeah. Re- is that really just happened because it's not like with the greatest respect it's come out of the air and Sarge has dropped it because mm. then you've got someone to blame do you know what I mean? Or Dan Appy goes to put his foot on the ball and it goes under his foot and the guy runs in and scores. You think, well, 
you got no other point of finger. I saw Sarge's fault. He fell over. He's got the right boots on. He's got you know. Yeah. He's, he's there was no pressure in terms of the pass being played back to him. He's just slipped over. So it's a bit it's self destroying to a degree. And you think, oh really? Like you know, we've we've, we've travelled all this way. Yeah. We're ninety seconds in, and it's and it's happened already. And um, yeah, it, it, it's a tough one to take because you think, blimey, we've come to a, a team that. I've got that runner form that you've just mentioned there and, and whatever way we like it, say it, present it, we've given them a goal after 90 seconds. Mm. So, not, yeah, mountain to climb, like you not said. Not the best start. Uh, in the 11th minute, Sam Sargent redeemed himself to an extent, made a good save, a really good save to keep it at 1-0 after some good crew build-up play. Saw Charlie Kirk's shot tipped round the far post for a corner so yeah, yeah he had to be alert yeah, didn't let that get him down 15th minute Charlie Kirk went close again it's picking drove forward past the Kirk who cut inside the area and bent his shot just wide of the post looked like that was going in for a second yeah. there another chance for the O's in the 22nd minute um, JMD put a superb cross in Ruo Satoru volleyed and unfortunately that went just wide so it's a really good chance for us you know we really are trying to ask questions and then find a way back in we're not just Sitting back or you know heads drop. That's the that's the worry when you're letting a goal like that at any stage of the game, and, and and for us at times probably earlier in the season, a goal goes in whether it's against the run of play or sloppy goal, and then it's followed up five minutes later with another one. So you talk about the chance or save that that Sarge makes is so important not to then go and then it's a long night. Mm. You know you yeah. don't feel sorry for yourself that it's happened. We need to do something about it, and our response was good. Yeah, 33rd minute, best chance for us yet. As Raul Satori, who did well, picked up the ball in the middle of the pitch, drove forward, showed nice footwork. His goal-bound effort was saved by Askelainen, straight into the path of Connor Wilkinson, who shot over from 10 yards out. Might be a bit harsh to say a wasted chance, as that was a, it was a reaction, uh, as he had no idea the ball was going to land in his path. But I guess if he's running onto it, he's an- going to anticipate that the keeper might spill it and it will come out to him. He was leaning back uh, on this and he's just... Rose edited it from 10 yards out, yeah. give or take. Yeah. You'd argue he should do better. Con would probably admit that if you gave him that chance another five, six times, he'd convert a mm. big percentage of them. So, you know, he, he knows. We, are, we all know it was a very, very good chance for us to get back in the game. Mm. So that chance was in the 34th. Ten minutes later, Wilkinson had another effort at goal. At his near post with effort was saved by Askelainen. As one minute of added time was played, as Josh Wright had an effort that was punched away as the half-time whistle went with the O's unlucky to be trailing 1-0 due to the early crew goal. So, you know, we gave as good as we got. If, Like you said, Wilkinson scores that nine times out of ten pretty much and it's 1-0 and it's a different last ten minutes of the Yeah, half. and obviously we have a game plan for every game. Um, but we really set out to not be, like, let's not go to crew and just try to stop and prevent and defend deep and, you know, go about the game like that. Let's get after and let's make a game of it. Let's... Let's try and make it tough for them where they in the way that they try to play and impose ourselves on the game. And walking off the pitch at half time was a very difficult one to think about the message that you give the players because the performance was good. The application of the way that we went about our performance was good. Our goalie had fallen over and letting a goal. So it was very again, like very difficult to it was more of the same really and, and we genuinely really, really felt like we'd had the Better chances in the, in the half. Rolls volley at the near post, as you mentioned, and Connor's one. Connor also coming to and Yaskalana made a good save down to his left hand side. So we felt like we had created some mm. strong chances and that we were in the game. And it was important that we continued with the same game plan 
because we'd been good and we were very close, we felt, to, to getting back into the game and maybe even more. What did you say to Sam at half-time? Just I, in terms of... Yeah, I think it's more, um, it's more what Reese says to Sam, to be honest, because you don't want to... For me, highlighting that in front of the group is, is needless. Right it doesn't yeah. need to happen because he knows he fell over... The boys know he fell over. Does it need to be discussed no. anymore? It's more of a one-to-one conversation of reassurance to him that it's not your fault. You know, you bounce back. You talked about the save, like those sorts yeah. of things. It's, it's it's the right way to continue with it. You you know, it's important that you keep your keep your mind right. And we, you know, you you can sit on the coach and worry about it afterwards in terms of when the game's finished. But you got you've got another forty-five minutes to play. And it's more that one-to-one management. Me. Uh, the goalie coach because obviously they've got a different relationship or an additional relationship yeah. to other people so yeah it's more about more about that, that one-to-one touch than it is about anything you do in front of the group Kyle Fear 01 tweeted and said we've been terrible while off the ball in this half and have been good at times while on the ball overall pretty poor and I know Sargent is usually okay but that was a terrible error and I can't help but notice we have a League One capable keeper on the bench Steve Hinchcliffe tweeted and I'm starting to wonder what Connor brings to the team so lazy and again tonight missing an open goal he looks every bit a National League footballer at the can moment can I just say it's really important because yeah. I know I'm butting on every tweet you're more than welcome to the opposition's manager said we were the best team they've played against out of possession this season said the way that we pressed them in the first half was the best that anyone's done against them this year and that we weren't a team that just went there and tried to stop them playing we, we tried to stop them playing but then once the ball was in play we imposed ourselves and created the best chances in the first half so very interesting that the opposition's manager thinks something so different to, to someone that watches it but like I say each to their own in terms of those opinions and, and just the thing there on Connor being lazy he ran 11k against Crew, so yeah. Wow. Yeah. I done a 5k this morning and I'm feeling it yeah. on this table. Right. <laughs> so um, go on. But Janato was on the bench for that one, right? Uh, no, Lawrence was. Lawrence, we, oh, right. We mentioned uh, Arthur Janato for that one, so that's my mistake for putting Arthur. I don't know why I did that. Uh, 3,249 was the attendance, not very high, but 164 hearty souls travelled up. From East London uh, to be there and support them. Were they quite noisy that night? Yeah, then, yeah? they were. And you know what the funny thing was? Um, they're by, they were on the side of the pitch. So like the crew, I don't know if you've ever been to crew, but the, where the dugouts and the tunnel are, the stand's massive. Right. And then on the other side, it's, oh, well, the other three sides are all on sort of one level. But our fans were on the side, on the halfway line, and normally you're behind the goal. Well, yeah. It was, it was quite surreal. Old. Yeah. It was quite a surreal thing coming out to warm up and I'm like, where are our fans? And like, oh, they're over there on the halfway line. It was unusual to be stood somewhere yeah. and not see your own fans at one yeah. end of the pitch. It was quite quite strange. I don't know what it's like as a fan, but... Don't know, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I've not been to crew, no. No changes at half-time for the O's. Big talking point seven minutes into the half as Connor Walkinson nodded the ball into the back of the net, but it was ruled out for a foul by Connor. Now, we're not going to play your post-match interview because obviously you're here, but that was a point that you raised in your post-match, saying you felt that goal was a, a fine Just goal. Just jostling, jostling for I, position, I, ca- it? I can't see anything that suggests it was a foul, and the next morning I got in and showed all the youth team staff and a few people that were in with them to say to them, tell me what he's done, please tell me where the foul is, because I can't see it. Yeah. it. 
it's not even one of those where he's leaned on the defender. The defender has jumped under the ball and got his timing all wrong, and he heads it in the goal. I, it, it still blows me away to think that, that, that it was a foul. It, it was an absolutely ludicrous decision. I don't know. I so we get that early in the second half and it's game different, on, isn't different it? Game, yeah. Different game, Different game. Um, we're going to fast forward to the 69th minute where Us Cisse is replaced by Lee Angol in our first substitution of the game. The second change came a few minutes later in the 73rd minute as George Marsh was replaced by Matt Harrell, which now means we've got four forwards on the pitch. Matt Hiscock in commentary noted that Epiteta, Clay, Happy and Brophy are now the back four right in front of the defence and JMD, Angle, Satoru up front with Wilkinson just behind. They're really going for it now. Yeah. 73 yeah, minutes we, on the clock. We, 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 20 minutes to go. First and foremost covered obviously the CSA the CSA change um, for obvious reasons Saturday, Tuesday and, and that sort of thing and then we wanted to get we wanted to get um players on the pitch that were going to be able to try and create us something and, and, and give us an opportunity to score. George had been booked um, and we just felt we didn't want to expose him to get to get sent off. As we were chasing the game, he was going to find himself yeah. higher up the pitch and, and another foul, he would, he would have been sent Two off. Yards, so yeah. that, we, that we'd done that one. So with the O's chasing the game, the second goal for crew came in the 88th minute as power cut inside, shoved down happy away, shot in at the near post, beating Sargent to make it 2-0. In game over, I think Sergeant Happy would probably be were probably quite disappointed with with how that goal came about, and I don't think that uh, I don't think uh, Sam will be happy that he's he's been beaten at his near post. Um, I don't think Dan will be happy that he's not let the guy, but he's kind of the guy's gone by him, and and I, I think Dan will probably reflect on that yeah. or has reflected on that and thought that's quite a disappointing thing. Yeah, very much. So you want to keep him going down that side of the pitch. Yeah. Um, it's very similar chance to the one that Connor had saved in the first half. Yaskalan and saved it down to his. I think you mentioned it. Around yeah, to his near post. Yeah. Very very similar chance that um, that we'd had in the in the first half. Very 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 similar position. Yeah. Fine. So four minutes of time were added on, and played out without much drama. Zio slipped to a two 0 defeat away to High Flying Crew in a game that really could have easily gone either way. So we normally play your post match interview. Uh, yeah. But obviously, why do that? No, no. When I you're think, here. Yeah. I, I as mad as it sounds. Like obviously the thing I said in the interview was plain and simple, disappointed that we lost the game. Um, disappointed at the two goals, even though the first one we've covered in terms of the circumstances like that. The performance for me was one of the best performances that we've we've had this season. Um, like I say, you look at the game plan and the tactics that you that you go out to try to achieve. In the first half, we got. We, when we tried to press crew we, we got it wrong a couple of times but you're playing against one of the best teams in the league we might have got it wrong but they might have worked their way out of it very very well you can balance that argument out of it whether your glasses are full or your glasses are empty can't you so um, I was I was pleased with the way that we performed and we've, we've started to talk about recently about putting performances together of a more consistent standard on a more regular basis and that was a more consistent performance that was a better performance by no means are we happy that we lost the game by no means are we happy that we conceded yeah. two goals whether we thought they were right, wrong and injustice whatever um, so I want everyone to understand that and not think that I'm being naive but at the same time if we're looking to get better our performances have got to be you know, more consistent which is um, we can't be terrible to, to, to fantastic 
almost like we were in the Northampton game, terrible in the first mm. half, fantastic second half. That's not that doesn't help anybody build anything. The consistency of performance is is what helps you. And and I was pleased with the way that we applied ourselves and the way that we went about it. Extremely disappointed that one that Connor's goal would have turned the game around and on its head and, and changed the dynamic of it. Um, but secondly, that you know that we did, we come away from it with nothing. And it still yeah. must be quite frustrating that another manager has said that you're the best side that they've come yeah. up against and you walk away with with, with zero and yeah. a significantly high percentage Because we had that possession. We had that after Port Bell. We saw yeah. that in in, so, in social media world. Right. Lots of Port Bell fans win. Do you know what? Oh, really? Boring, one of the best teams that we've seen yeah. here and we're quite unlucky. And again, there was quite, quite a few, a few fans. fans. Again, yeah. after who yeah, ended up Dwight, tweeting uh, us Dwight and going, do you know what? Fair Dwight, play. A fan waited. He was actually Scottish. He said, I'll follow oh. through and I'm a... Um, and I followed Tottenham as a kid, so he wanted to, you know, wanted to send his condolences for about about Justin and that sort of thing, which was really nice. But then him and two other guys were waiting outside the tunnel for me at the end of the game and just said to me, "I want to tell you that you're the best team we've seen here this season." Nice. Um, which is nice, but don't make it feel any better when you yeah. haven't got a result. But at the same time, if we're going to get better, then we've got to put put in better performances, and then yeah. it's about the small details. It's about a bit of lady luck sometimes as well. You know, don't want to put everything down to that. But if the referee refereed the game properly, we would have had a legitimate goal yeah. given to us. So that you know, is that little bit sometimes that that, that that things are going right for you. But yeah, at the same time, extremely disappointed. Don't want anyone to to think anything yeah. else other than the fact that we you know we, we should have come out of it with more, but we didn't. So that loss sees us drop to twentieth in League Two. We now at this point played thirty. 1-7, drawn 10, lost 13, goal difference of minus 12, and 31 points. So your views on, on the crew, Mr Levy? I didn't expect to get anything from that match, to be honest, but obviously having seen uh, and heard about everything that went on, it's obviously disappointed we didn't get something from it in the end. A mistake you can't legislate for by Sargent early on didn't help, but it's early enough that we could get ourselves back into the game. But a recurring theme of our season of not being clinical enough in both boxes has cost us again the strikers and attacking players have to take a lot of the responsibility here as we had seven corners and didn't make one of them count and Saturday is now an even bigger six-pointer as Stevenage lost uh, on Tuesday night as well in fact most of the teams around us lost which is another positive to take so my views on the game I think I'm a bit like you I said I'm somewhere in the middle of being happy because the everyone was like great performance but then you lose and like I said be disappointed mm. Can't fault Sergeant for slipping. If any other player slips in any other area of the pitch, it doesn't cost you a goal, no. does it? And he but nearly nicked it off the guy as well. He's too nearly <laughs> tugged it away and you just think, oh, please, on another day. But it didn't, <laughs> it didn't seem like it was an apt score on 2 0, based on chances and from the highlights that I saw. Uh, like you said. I think, do you know what? Sorry, go on, no, 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 no. I think for me as well, is the big thing for that is, you know, stats and whatever. I ground Wesley for a load of stats out yesterday, but we scored three and they never, and ultimately Crew scored two and we never. Yeah. So. I'm not going to try and have one argument and then look, you know, try and win the other one. Um, but that was the thing for me is that yeah, we dominated possession. Yeah, we, you know, it was a good performance. But we created chances. We 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 put the ball into good areas. We we actually had attempts at goal that could have should have ended up in in goals. So you know, ultimately that's what you're trying to achieve. You're trying to score and you're trying to win the game. And I think sometimes you can have a good performance and you can come away and go, I could go, yeah, well, I like this, I like that. This is what we'd set out to achieve. We've done that side of the game. Did we really create enough? But we went there, we performed well, mm. but then we also created really good opportunities. And I know I keep arguing about it, but we scored 
we scored as well, you know. Yeah. So it, it, the, the, that, that was a bigger part of the positive for me after that game, was that we'd done that on top of a yeah. performance, if that makes sense. It's like you were saying, I guess I made the point again about being clinical in yeah, both boxes because it comes up quite a lot. Yeah. And I put Ross has got some big choices to make in terms of Stevenage, in terms of Widowson, Johnson, Brophy, Coulson. Again, a manager's life, like, yeah, course, you know, yeah. as it happens. Yeah, and he ended it by saying, Yeah, like you, let's hope we go to Stevenage, attack them, and get the win there. Because if we play like we did against a high flying crew, you'd expect us to get a result with Stevenage, which obviously we'll come on to. And then that gap goes from nine to 12. When you give yourself a bit of breathing room and everyone gets a bit calmer yeah. and looser. If such a thing can exist. So we had a huge <laughs> amount of views after this game. So thanks to everybody who sent their views to our social media accounts. And again, we try and read out as many of them as we can. And just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. And first up this week is LOFC, uh, Sunshine LOFC, who said, still lacking that cutting edge in the final third. In no way did we deserve to lose that game. Yeah, one Adam Conway said, very good performance, although really looked like scoring. Brophy at left back is still bemusing, and a new keeper must now have to come in. Brophy should have a field day against bottom of the league. Stevenage on Saturday. Please, oh please don't play him in defence. SMTH Jack 7 said, just sticking on more and more strikers doesn't get you goals. Should have bought on Widdleson for right and moved Brophy forward. Lost all of our shape when the subs were made. Was that, an op- was that a realistic option to bring Joe on and move... Mm, I don't know. It... Move James Brophy forwards? Would that be... If you take Josh late... Wright off and put Joe Widdleson on and move Brophy forward, who plays in midfield? That would be a question I would ask because Brophy hadn't sent a midfield player, so no. people are asking me not to play him at left back. I can tell you right now, I'm never playing him <laughs> in midfield. Um, so, look, you, there's lots of different angles yeah. we could have taken. There's lots of different things that I could have done. I was delighted to have Joe back in and around the squad. You know, that, that's been a big thing for us, is that he <coughs> strengthens the group. We've got to remember as well, and it's lucky for me because I know it and people don't, is that Joe Widdison's been out for a long, long time. Mm. It's the same situation as yeah. it is with Cissé. When people moan and groan when I take Cissé off the pitch, it's the same thing with, with Joe. Joe's got to be ready to play at the intensity for him to go and perform to the best of his ability and, then, and also avoid injury. Mm. So we have, to, we have to bear those things in mind. So people go now, oh, why is he on the bench? Well, yeah, that, that could be part of the argument. But again, we're bringing Joe back closer to the group. So not the, the argument, so that side of the argument is that Josh Wright's our top goal scorer, so why would I take Josh Wright off if I'm trying to get us, get us back in the game? Um, Brophy's playing at left back, and I've answered that in terms of I think he's been yeah. outstanding at playing at left back, and I'm definitely not playing him centre midfield today. <laughs> Derby 507 said, I thought we were excellent, very unlucky for the first, and the second was a lapse in concentration from Happy. That aside, we controlled the game and we should have won. Dear Stu said, having watched it online, Clay, JMD, Wilco, not good enough. Right, very average. I'd like to see us sign a creative centre midfielder before the window ends. Cissé, very good again. And sorry, Sarge, uh, but it's time to take a rest. Crew were very average and were there for the taking. At Simon underscore J underscore Mills, I thought we played very well with 60% possession and 15 shots on goal. Didn't deserve to lose. Clearly need a finisher, which hopefully the new guy is. Very entertaining game. But let's leave Sarge alone. The odd mistake can happen. And he is a promising young keeper learning his trade. Sport and mistakes happen. 
Yeah, Steve Tong said, good effort ahead on all the stats except the one that matters. And five forwards on the end was a bit over the top, inviting their breakaway second goal. Even those fans, so we are improving all the time, not reflected tonight, just need to create a bit more, stop making silly errors at the back and we'll move up the table. Ingleland 2010 said, thought we played very well and certainly did enough to get something from the game. Love Sam, but he was poor for both goals. Certainly more positives than negatives from the game. Watson 0212 said, if people honestly expected us to win this game, they're out of their minds. Just unfortunate that an early goal put us on the back foot and we were still chasing the game from the second minute. Still a strong performance regardless. Terence Coates 2 said, I'm a fan of Ross, but he got the subs wrong. Once Cissé went off, our midfield weakened. After the other subs, our midfield didn't exist. This led to the second goal. But we dominated a game versus fourth in the league. It's not the beginning of, new, of a new downward spiral, I hope. And David Barrett 6 said, This is from a crew fan. So he's taken this and tweeted it to us, which was a crew fan. Overriding feeling coming out of crew when it was a brilliant, hard-fought result. Credit to Leighton Orient. They are the best team I've seen with the ball at Gresty Road this season. And with a better final ball, they could have won that. Uh, yeah, quite a few Port Vale, just pick up what you said earlier, quite a few Port Vale fans were, I don't quite understand why Orient fans are moaning so much. They played, we played really well there and not got necessarily what we deserved, I think. Yeah. So, depends how you see it. Uh, Dave M, 18-12, said, disappointing, deserved to get something from the game, unfortunate start, but played well against a good team. Need to be more clinical, and hopefully Johnson will give us that. A win on Saturday will give us the boost we need. Not downhearted. Yes, yeah, so those were all the tweets following the crew game that came into us at Orient Outlook. So, prediction league update, well done to Leon Oresti, Elmo John 7, Dan Orton, 2590, who all predicted the correct result, and there will be a full prediction league roundup at the end of the podcast. Yeah, nothing to report on Wednesday the 29th of Jan, so we'll fast forward to Thursday the 30th of January. Yeah, it's a quiet day at the club. In the evening, it was time for Meet the Chairman with Nigel Travis, uh, and also in attendance, CEO Danny Macklin and Director of Football Martin Ling, who are also there to help Nigel answer his questions. Yeah, and the club are going to be releasing the video highlights early this coming week. We recorded both Q&A sessions and we'll be releasing that at some point this week as well. But we'll go through the main talking points of the Q&A. Yeah, so first up was Danny Webb that Ross has spoken about, so that's pretty much clarified. Um, second, <laughs> and I couldn't believe there was so much talk about it. There was so much talk about Carl Fletcher. It was absolutely unreal. So, Cole came up time and time again. Nigel uh, said we offered two other people before Fletcher and although he wasn't named specifically, pretty sure it was alluded to Colin Calderwood um, and again not named specifically, the second name pretty much now alluded to was Derek Adams um, and also mentioned Cole was paid up for his full contract and four weeks later he's walked back into his old job at Bournemouth. Done right there, Mr Fletcher. Yeah, yes, isn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely couldn't get my head around the fact that people were still picking the bones out of the Cole Fletcher appointment, despite Kent and Nigel and all the board admitting it was a mistake and we've moved on, and, and but people still were incessant on no, asking. Do you know what? It, it was going to come up. One question was fine, but it came up, it was answered. But we spent it, half an hour and talking it came about up it. Again, and then it came up again. And again, we've got this, it's all recorded, so we'll be putting out some point at this week. But after, we talked about Cole Fletcher, and in the second half of the... Uh, Evening, Nigel presented a deck on sustainability with lots of great and insightful points. Most intriguingly, it takes over £7 million for Leighton Orient to break even. 
on a yearly basis. So that was very quite ex- a, you're very expensive, mate. <laughs> yeah, six point right. nine million is Los Angeles. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Martin, when asked about whether he's happy with the transfer window, he said he was, as the squad is better after the window than before, which is what he aims to achieve. And also added that a player would be coming in on loan from a Premier League club. He commented that uh, Lawrence Vigarou have replaced Dean Brill, Cissé replaced Gorman, Johnson replaced Alabi. Uh, he was happy with uh, George Marsh. That was a, a loan extension. And the new player isn't replacing anyone. It's come about through connections and apparently it was an opportunity that you don't turn down. Yeah, we'll come on to that very, very shortly. Martin said there won't be any further outgoings, although the window is always open in the National League, so there yeah. could be a few loans that go out to that. And also was quizzed on Louis Dennis said there was 100% a player in Louis Dennis which just needed to be unlocked. But said Louis is focused on his football and did say in training this week that Louis was looking sharp as well as what Johnson was looking sharp as well. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's right with Lou. Um, he's been a bit disruptive for him, injury. Um, you know, he, hasn't, he hasn't spent time in the team or on the pitch as much as he would have liked. Um, but we've had players before in recent times that haven't hit the ground running when they've come to the club but we know that they've come good yeah. and I've got 100% belief that, that Louis's got hundred like definitely got the ability to to, to do that and, and become a really good player at his club he just needs to settle himself down uh, not worry too much about it as, as mad as that sounds because we, we all want him to do well and but you don't want to burden him with, with too much of that we need to get him fit we need to get him capable and then we need to give him the time to, to find his feet and, and and show everybody what a good player that, that we've got amongst the, you know, by, sorry, that we've got by signing him when we signed him. So um, hopefully he's going to settle down and, we, and we'll have an opportunity to, you know, to kick him on and, and, and give him a good finish till the end of the season. So he's injured at the moment. No, so he's back in training. When Lee said there about him, um, about him looking sharp, he trained, oh, course, um, yeah. he trained Wednesday and Friday last week. So... Um, we've got a reserve game this week, but hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll spend some time out on the pitch and get him, get him a bit sharper and closer. Yeah, awesome. that was a good evening. Very enjoyable, very insightful. Good questions, honest answers. Because people weren't holding back, were they? they no, had, it wasn't. They went there with an agenda, people, and they asked. They had questions they wanted to ask, and Martin answered them, Nigel. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that we can all say, whether you like, dislike, agree, disagree with people at the club, no one shirks anything at this place. No, no I was going to say. I, I, I look at, I look at um, the information that's put out by a lot of our opposition. Well, I don't, but Joe, our analyst, does in terms of trying to gather information on on the other team and what the manager says. And very few people have any information that coming out from their owners. You know, we see the real negative owners at, at this mm. level and what they're doing to their clubs. We know that our ones are not, you know, a million million miles away from that. But the one thing, that, like I say, for whatever your opinions might be on, on individuals or, or certain things that are done, that no one shirks anything here. No one, no one shies away from anything. Everyone's there willing to step forward, to put their neck on the line, to be shot at and give their honest opinion. And I think whether you like it or whether you don't, that's all anybody surely ever wants is for people to be honest, tell them the truth, give them mm. information and, and, and then... You know, you do with it what you please, but that's the one thing I think that no one can say about about our, our board. And, and, and I'd like to think about it myself, but the, the other people that are ever 
put out there, he's, he's no one shirks anything. We're yeah. all willing to take a responsibility for the good and the bad. Yeah. You don't just hear from us when things are good oh. and, and, and we all shy away, away. Yeah. But if, if anything, actually, from the board's perspective, when things are not good, they, they, they put themselves out there to... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to, right. to answer, to answer questions. questions. Yeah. Yeah. And and whether you like it or not, is, the answer that you get is... Yeah, is what it's it is. True. Isn't it? It's true. Yeah. It's, it's people's honest opinion. Well, you're saying the night was supposed to end at 8:45 as a side at the beginning. It didn't finish till half nine. Yeah. Because they were answering that many questions were coming in, and yeah, just giving honest and open answers. And it can't be easy to sit there, you know, and you're being criticised about an appointment on Carl Fletcher. You're being asked why this signing hasn't worked, why that signing hasn't worked, and it's easy to lose sight of all the positives. Yeah. I think. Yeah, so. I know, like even you know, if you lose, use that situation as a great example, is that. As soon as they made the, the decision about Carl, they come out and they, they gave all of their re- reasons, rationale, what they did, how they did it, and then went and sat on a match day in front of supporters that wanted to turn up and do it and, and gave answers to people face to face. So I think, you know, they need a massive amount of praise for, for putting themselves out there like that because I don't know if many do. I don't think many do. No. No. Andy Holt, Darren McCanton here too, that spring to mind straight away, that are out there on social media and out there. At games as well, so I don't know that many others. Yeah, and there's 92 league clubs. Yeah, and there's three that do it, so yeah. three that we know of that are yeah. quite clear and apparent. So moving on to Mooney, Friday the 31st of January, and as Martin alluded to the night before, half past six, the club announced the loan signing of forward Kaziah Sterling from Spurs until the end of the season, although Kaziah is currently struggling with a quad injury picked up in September and will remain at Spurs until he recovers. So Sterling in his club interview said I'm just excited I'm grateful for the opportunity I can't wait to get going Orient were my first club so I'm quite familiar with everything I've got experience at Leighton Orient so tell us about Kazaya what tempted you to to sign him what does he bring to the table before I do that (laughs) it's great because I sit here obviously and hear people's opinions and tweets and social media it's great world I live in these days because I don't have to listen or read any of it so I, I managed to avoid the good and I avoid, I avoid the, what I would perceive as being yeah. the bad, yeah? So it's a great, great situation that I find myself in. But my brother does forward on to me some of the really funny ones or some of the really critical ones because he likes to dig the knife in at me and that's his way of doing it. Um, and we have a bit of a laugh with some of the things that, 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 that are said about me. Um, I read a really good one that he sent me today of someone saying, Ross coached me once when I was seven, does that mean I'm in with a chance of signing for Leighton Orient? And I quite like that. But it leads me on to Kazai because Kaz, um, I signed him as an eight-year-old here in the academy. And let's get it right, it would be ridiculously naive of me to not use the experience and the background that I've had of being involved in youth football um, before I was involved in first team football over the last five years, to not look at any players that I've ever been able to work with or seen. So like uh, little Dan Kemp who come on for Stevenage yesterday, seen him grow up as a kid at Chelsea and West Ham and really good little footballer that I've always you know seen as a good player coming through. So you have your eye on those people. And I think with Kaz, he's someone that I've worked with as a, as a kid and it gives us a real opportunity again. If someone we know his character, he's a magnificent football club who's been put on the pitch to play in Champions League football spent a lot of time training around Pochettino and some of the best players in the world um, it gives us a great opportunity to sign a player now I'm sure the next question someone might throw out there is why would you sign someone that's injured rather than someone that's 
fit. But I think the answer to that one for me is he's a very, very good player that we get to bring into the club. And it might be at a time when we might really need someone. So who's to say that in two or three weeks' time we might touch wood, we don't, but we suffer an injury setback. As an example, Leanne Goal, Conor Wilkinson both out at the same time earlier in the season. Well, we can't sign anyone to replace him. But with Kaz coming in, hopefully within the next few weeks towards the end of the month, gives us an opportunity to have a new player that, that's, that could replace someone. And if people lose form, that can come into the team. If he don't come into the team, he comes onto the bench or comes into training and gives people a kick up the backside to know that we've got a Tottenham player ready to come in and, and wants his chance and wants his opportunity to go and score goals at the club. And we know him, and he's come through the club as a, as a, as a young player. Um, tick too many boxes. And, and he ticks so many boxes. So mm. it, it might look like a bit of a, well, what do you do that one for? But hopefully people get a bit of an idea. Well, we can't sign anyone else for the next, what is it, three months left mm. of the season. But we might have a new signing coming in in the next month that, that we're not allowed to do. So you mentioned Dan Kemp. We might said we were bringing in one from a premiership club. I think a lot of people jumped to two and two equals seven and thought that would be right. Dan Kemp. So when Dan Kemp was announced, ironically, as going to Stevenage, there was a bit of outpouring. Right, okay, got you. We were never, yeah. I believe we were never in for Dan no, Kemp. No, I'll be honest, Dan's a player that I really like. Um, but there's a lot of players out there that I really like. And the January transfer window, there was a lot of players that I really like and would like to work with or have worked with before, but we can't sign them all. Um, they've got to fit, they've got to be right, they've got to be able to put pressure or go into the team, um, and it's got to be right by everyone. It's pointless us going out and signing Dan Kemp as the example, now we bring him up. <laughs> I can't believe we brought him up and there was so much thingy with it, but um, for Dan, to bring someone in a player like that, it's got to be an access and a way for him into the team. But we've already got players here, so we've got to make sure that it fits for everybody. We've got a wage structure. We've got, a, you know, we've got a, we've got lots of things that, the, that those boxes need to be ticked in order for him to come come in and come not just come in, but come in and, and play, and affect what what the group's going to be like and and and, and get in the team. So, um, you know, that might come from someone saying to me, "Do I like him?" And I say, "Yeah." Or when I watch West Ham's under twenty threes a couple of weeks ago, like them sort of things yeah. can be. Can be involved. I've got a very, very good friend who does a um, who does the under sixteens at West Ham, so I know a lot about the players there. So conversations can be pushed away, brought up, used in all different ways. Dan Kemp's a good player that I, that I like, but he hasn't come in because we had other other options and we've got other players that we feel can have as much of an impact now between now and the end of the season. Well, a question that probably seems apt to mention now is it. Obviously, you've got a lot of contacts at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Martin Ling has obviously got a lot of contacts at Tottenham Hotspur. Is that a relationship that we're looking to continue to develop? Would we be expecting more to happen between Orient and Tottenham going forward? I think um, the answer would always be yes, because they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. So would it be ludicrous of us not to make the most of an opportunity of them, just the fact that we're in London and they're in London. Mm. But the fact that I've worked there mm. and I know a lot of the players, I know a lot of the staff... Um, is a very good opportunity for us to, to build those links. I think you look at, we could go and take a player on loan from Aston Villa, Dean Smith's at Aston Villa, so we'll have a good relationship with Dean Smith. We can go and take a player on loan from there. But by taking a player on there, you've got to pay whatever we've got to pay. Mm. Whether you pay his full salary, whether you give him a fiver for him, it's, you've got to pay something. But then when you bring him down here from Aston Villa, 
got to put them in a hotel mm. or a house or relocate them in some way, shape or form and relocate them somewhere where they can be looked after. So with the greatest of respect, you're not going to go and stick him in Brixton somewhere. You're going to, you're going to try and put him in Chigwell or South Woodford. That costs money. So it makes sense for us, to, before we start looking at loan signings from here, there and everywhere, to look at the ones that are on our doorstep where the boys are from London, they're from the area, their clubs are, are very close by. So Tottenham Hotspur makes the prime example of being the best one because... As you said there, I've got really close links and I know a lot of the players, but you know, people like Paul Brush are there, Wayne Burnett are working there, oh. people like that who have got real good Orient links. So from, from Tottenham's perspective, I'm sure you look and you say, yeah, it's a good club mm. for them to go to, there's familiar people. And then also as well, if I'm, a, if I'm working at Tottenham and I've got an opportunity to send one of my players on loan, I'd much rather travel to the Orient every week than I would Carlisle. Do you know what I mean? So those sorts of things, again help you and that contradicts itself a little bit because we oh. signed Danny Johnson from Scotland but it's a longer term viewpoint <laughs> yeah fine alright so quite a lot of tweets in about Keziah uh, El Coado so he looks like a really good signing but he's been injured for four months and still is again a question that we should have asked you really how long until he's fit enough to play a full game that's how long's a piece of string right, a little okay. bit because again you could you, it's how long he get when he gets in the team when he gets games under his belt the, the the time scale that Tottenham gave me when we first started discussing it was end of February. Okay. Pez came in on Friday, had a chat with him, where do you think you're at, how do you think, you, it, it, uh, what's your perception on how long you're going to be out, and he said the same sort of thing. So, um, it, it, for me, it's not going to be long. Yes. Is it a position that we're desperate, that we need someone? Well, if that was the case, we wouldn't have signed someone that we would have signed someone that was ready to go. Well, we've done that in Danny Johnson, but we've had a very good opportunity to take a very good player. So, win -win. If it's oh, very, win -win. for yeah. me, it's win-win for everyone. Win-win for, for the player, for, for Tottenham, and, and from our perspective, the most important one is for us. Because yeah. he was at Doncaster before that, wasn't he? Yeah. So he's gone down a league, so that's yeah. quite a... Yeah, he was at Sunderland the season before that as well for, for a very short period. Um, came off the bench and you know played games for, played games for them. So he's had experiences... Been in, he's come on for Tottenham in the Champions League, which is no, not bad, it's not, not easy, easy to do, is it? Turned, you know, is not it? bad, yeah, not bad. Uh, JJ, the DJ UK, said we need left and right backs, not forwards. Wasted loans. So hopefully, we've been able to clarify a bit about, yeah, about why we've yeah. done that. Yeah. Conway underscore Nigel said, "Could have signed me instead. I've also got a bad leg." Hashtag What's the point? Nigel, I like you, mate, but I'm not sure you're going to get an audience booked, mate. Alan Reeves, too, says injured since September, so even when he isn't injured, he won't be fit to play. I have to say, I'm not as excited as everyone else appears to be. Doesn't make sense, this one. Well, hopefully now, Alan, it makes a bit more sense because we've had Ross explain it in a bit more detail. Yeah, I must admit, looking at it from the outside in, I was a little bit unsure why we'd A, signed a, an injured player, B, signed a player in a position where arguably we're slightly overwhelmed with people at the moment that can play there anyway and see where you've got players where shortage, from my personal perception, at left back and right back because until you explained it then that they were kind of fitting in to help keep the stability yeah. of the squad whereas for me I would have thought we'd have gone after a right back or a left back that could Yeah, but that well, could I, have gone straight I in. You, but you said, something we definitely looked at but then at the same time, again, people's argument can be that, well, you've signed the striker, so that clogs up that position a little bit more, but hopefully the rationale behind that yeah. gives everyone a bit of a clearer picture. And then the other side of it as well is there's only a certain amount of space in the training ground and in the changing room. If we go and sign a left-back, a right-back, then Lingy gets fit, Turley gets fit. 
all of it, you know, Joe Widdison's obviously on his way back or, or very close to, to being at, at full fitness. So then all of a sudden we've got 30-odd players sitting around. It, it, it doesn't add up. But I, I get it, totally understand it. And it was a direction that we certainly looked to go in. But for me, the motivation of Sam being capable, Brophy, George Marsh, Joe Widdison, Jardy, that, that we were capable of in that area. Cool. Fantastic. So I hope we've clarified that one for everyone. So moving I on. I think he's sorry, the big thing as well that I didn't say about Keziah was he was on our list of strikers. So that's the other thing as well. We've been presented with a very, very good opportunity to sign a player who, was on our list. who whenever we look for players, Kaz is always like, right, striker, do you think we'd be able to get him? In previous times, we haven't been able to because he's been sent out on loan or not allowed out on loan because of his status at Tottenham. So it's not been one that's got any further off the ground. And all of a sudden, right, he's not ready to go just yet, but we've had an opportunity to bring in a player that we've always kept, always kept an eye on. Decent, yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Now we've yeah, got that yeah, insight. Course, now yeah. it absolutely makes sense, yeah. Beauty of the podcast, my friend. <laughs> yeah. the podcast. That's why we do it. Absolutely. So Saturday, 1st of February, time for the main event. This one, Stevenage away. So before the game, we ran a Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. And after 336 votes in 24 hours... So a very, very confident Orient fan base. 14% thought we would lose standard. 16% draw, but a whopping 70%. You voted again? I did. Nutter. Thought right, we that would was one of the 70%. Yep. And as always, thank you for all your votes. Yeah, absolutely. So the team lined up, uh, announced at 2 o'clock as always. Vigoru in goal. Marsh, Ekpeteta, Happy, Brophy, Cissé, Clay, Wright, J&D and up top, Wilkinson and Satorio on the bench. Sam Sargent dropped to the bench. Wooderson. Coulson, Kiprianu, Harold, Angle, and Johnson. So that meant there was just one change from the crew lineup as Lawrence Vigaru made his first start for Orient. Sam Sargent was named on the bench alongside new signing Danny Johnson. In terms of bringing Vigaro in, was that always the plan or was it a feeling that Sam needed a rest after? Uh, yeah, I think um, what I look upon in terms of Sargent's running the team, 11 games, he has made a big stride forward from what, the last two years, because he never played a game last year because of Dean's record. Yeah. Justin kept him in the team week after week, cup games, a lot of pre-season friendlies, all those sorts of things. So for me, Sarge playing 11 games so far already this season is a real big stride forward, plus plus the cup games that he played in as well. I felt selling him a bit short there. But um, Tuesday didn't go... We we covered Tuesday in terms of the first goal. It, Tuesday was you know a little bit flat for him, and um, what I don't ever want to do, and it, it, he still fits for me in the bracket of a young player. And I think what we have to respect sometimes is that young players have peaks and troughs. Young players do well. Young players need to come in the team and out the team. It's very rare that you get a Wayne Rooney, a James Milner, a Trent Alexander Arnold will go in and go. Phew, and keep going right away to the top. They they suffer setbacks because they're young and it's all new experiences for them. So for me, the eleven games that Sarge has had in the team are positive. We can take him out and give him a breather. We've got a very very good goalkeeper that we've already covered to come in and and replace him. So it gives Sarge for me that time to breathe. I'm sure Sarge won't like that. I'm sure Sarge will be sitting there thinking to himself, well, no, no, I'm finding it to carry on playing me, and that's great. And I love the fact that he let, hopefully he has that that mindset that he feels I've done by coming out of the team. But I've got a duty of care to, to, to try and make the best decision by, by the team. And the bigger picture for me is to make the best decisions by Sarge. And 
I want to make sure that he's he's protected and the 11 games that he's played in the team on the spin are perceived as as a good run in the team for him and he's confident that when he steps back in whether that's in another game or in another 11 games that that he's he's, he's ready and capable decent answer for me I thought we uh, may see Vigor I thought that might, might be coming I think at the time Bickle to play Brophy over Widowson I think you've given a really good explanation there so I understand that situation a lot more and I was excited to see Johnson on the bench was that always your intention to because of the way the forwards have been to get Johnson on the bench. And yeah, just, yeah I think, I've, uh, you know, like we touched on already about the crew performance. I didn't think that there was too many negatives from no. uh, other than the fact that we never scored, uh, as silly as that sounds about strikers. But um, Danny coming in gives everyone a, a nudge to mm. say, here he is and this is a goal scorer. Danny coming on the bench then goes, right, I'll come in it. You know, they mean business yeah, yeah, yeah. and we need to implement him into the group straight away, which is why he was on the bench and then obviously why he came on. Yeah. Um, interesting that you made the change uh, in keepers. You've not been afraid to make these changes in big calls. It's obviously a shame uh, for Sam Sargent, though, um, but it's all for the greater good of the team and I'm sure he'll he'll understand that. Um, and pleased that Ruel gets another start. We've got a pretty strong bench as well, so... Lots of attacking options all on that all bench. Very yeah. happy with that, yeah. A few absolutely. tweets that came in a bit before the match kicked off. Elliot JC15 says, Vigaru deserves his chance. Very attacking bench, which is a positive. Paul512705 says, Still think Brophy playing at left-back is a complete waste of his ability and talents. The same with Marsh at right-back. I know that's down to the fact that we don't have fit full-backs, but that speaks more about the poor squad planning so Paul hopefully we've clarified that this evening for yeah. you so the match kicked off in front of a packed away end and like I've said a very windy day on not the best of pitches and a huge match for the O's as a win with plus 12 points clear of bottom place Stevenage but a loss would decrease the gap to just 6 points and could galvanise the host season yeah 10 minutes on the clock then Carter has an effort from the edge of the area Vigaru flicks it behind for a corner and 19th minute the O's took the lead as Ross Saturi who carried on his hot streak James Brophy picked up the ball on the left-hand side, passed to JMD, who ran onto the right-hand side, passed it into Josh Wright, who fed the ball through to Raw. And from a very tight angle, he drilled the ball past Farman and the Stevenage goal to make it 1-0 to the Orient. Great finish from Rolf. A very tight angle. I think their keeper might be slightly disappointed. He went with his foot rather than... I think he sort of misread yeah. where he was going and, and he went with his foot rather than being in any more of a set position, but... Take that. Take yeah, it all day. Absolutely. absolutely. Showed you the confidence of Satori. Cause it was yeah. a well-worked move, to be fair. James Brophy at left-back. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> no, but the, 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 it was, it was well-worked in terms of Jordan coming into a good position and the switch of play right. He obviously slid, slid Ruel into mm. a really good position to, to finish. So, no, it was a good goal. Sign of a confident striker where he gets it, looks up, and he's not... Yeah. Doesn't care. He's just shoot. looking for that goal. Wants to shoot, which is what we've lacked. Yeah. Someone that's just going to just brilliant. just shoot. Absolutely. I thought it was a really good, really good goal. Obviously, their keeper is going to be very, very disappointed uh, for that. But you know, absolute credit to Ruel for for being brave enough to take that shot. He's a young guy, and he just doesn't show any fear in the box. If he can get his shot away, he's going to get his shot away. It reminds me of the guys that you know we used to play with in the playground that they would just get in the box. No, 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 but they just have that I'm going to shoot, that selfishness yeah, yeah. that I'm just going to shoot because I'm a striker and I want to score a goal rather than the make that extra pass or go that extra yard and then you end up running out. No, don't care about all of that. I'm just going to shoot a goal. I'm going to be selfish about it. I'm yeah. just going to go for it. Yeah, so, I um, I, Refreshing because I think that's what Ruel brings that we've not had with 
uh, with Connor and, and Lee so much that we've seen uh, as much of, or even to an extent Jordan or, or anyone else that's been in a forward, forward position for us, my, my view. Okay, it was a 26 minute. Lake had had a shot which swerved in the win, but Rigoro fists the ball away. And in the 33rd minute, Craig Clay picked up a booking for coming together with Farman. And that's it for the first half for the most part. One minute of time was added on, and the half time also went with the O's leading 1 0. So you're happy with the first half performance? Yeah. Not missed anything? No, I think the only thing that um, when you look at the first, for the first half is without us going in 1 0 up, which, which hasn't happened on enough occasions this year. It won a it won a great game. It won a great game. Scruffy, the, the the pitch was poor, the conditions were were horrible. But I was delighted almost to a degree with the way that the boys went about that first half. As much as I was with the way that we imposed ourselves against Crew mm. on the on the Tuesday night in terms of the way that we played, you talked about possession and stuff like that, but they showed like a robustness and a real grit and determination to get through the Crap, um, and and come out of the game like you know, coping with that side yeah. of it because you know they've got a few big boys in mm. their team and you know the type of game that they want to play against you and we went toe to toe with them and you know like they had a few shots from distance but we we dealt with things comfortably and then looked at times to be able to try and get a little bit of control on the game and, and obviously ultimately we scored a goal but it, I was pleased with the way that they applied themselves in the first half to that. The nitty gritty stuff. We just need more of it. Yeah, and regularly. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. What, it's what we need to build on, and, and to be honest, it's what we need to get through first halves when we when we don't play well. Because you're not going to play well every week, mm. as much as we'd like to. It's showing that game management, professionalism, to get through when you're not when you when you're not performing at your best, but still mm. be in the game. And then when things do click or things do settle down, we know we're capable of of doing more damage mm. to teams. But we have to have that that bit that. I think I saw from us in the first half. So half time was it very much same again? Let's go and get a second goal. A little, bit, a little bit. Yeah, we felt that the conditions might help us a little bit more because whenever we tried to play forward, it weren't reaching the halfway line. The wind was unbelievable. Mm. It was like hitting a brick wall every time it got to a certain area of the pitch. Um, so we felt it was going to be a bit easier to get the ball to our strikers, and we felt that if we could do that with a bit more quality, because we wouldn't have to be so aggressive to try and get it up the pitch that we might be able to start to build a few more attacks um, and get them get a little bit more control yeah. on the way that we went about the game but we knew it wasn't going to be one for the uh, one for the purists so attendance was 4,357 there were approximately 1,300 uh, fans travelling up to Hertfordshire from East London traffic turnout brilliant that's like brilliant. that's like Outrageous. a third of the ground do you know what was Really good for me. There's been some obviously numbers wise some great followings this year, and I include last year. The atmosphere at Solihull away last year, I don't remember many times where I've been at a ground, not just as an employee, but in the away end and listen to the noise and the songs and the intensity of the crowd. It's good. That's not taking anything away yeah. from us when we do travel because we always travel well and we always make good noise and good numbers. But for me, when I went out for the beginning of the warm-up uh, yesterday, there was like an edge to our to, to our support. And obviously, you know, going one new up and being up and, and, and the performance and the win that, that come with it obviously heightens all of that. But there felt like there was an extra energy to everyone yesterday. Yeah. I don't know whether they, you know, all the reference to 
nine points, could have been six, could have been yeah, two. Yeah. I don't know if that was a moment, but I don't know what it was because I weren't there. But my mum and dad sat in the away end, an away game for the for the first time yesterday, and my mum was up singing and and probably, but she was probably starting it. But um, <laughs> imagine every no, minute. No, me and my dad have said we're going to borrow a Stone Island jacket now. <laughs> no, but. Like the, my, my dad just said, it was there was like so much yeah. energy to to the to to everybody from the minute that they arrived, and you, I could feel that when I went out. And I, I know, it's, I know people say it all the time, but that buzz that it gives for the boys, the way it energizes. And my last thing to him before he went out is, we've got the dominance out there today. So if we can get them really at it, the supporters really up, we've got an even bigger chance of of putting in a performance today because. First and foremost, the Stevenage fans are going to be ready to, to turn on their own players mm. and get after them because of the situation we'd be in. But you've got 13, 1400 of your own here that are ready to back you. So we need to give ourselves the opportunity to really energise everybody by, by starting the game well. Yeah, and amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So no, second half, gone. No, no, gone. Second half started, no subs for the O's. James Braithwaite was booked in the 47th minute. And in the 59th minute, the O's made it 2-0. Josh Wright floated a free kick in from the right-hand side, sorry, from the left-hand side to the back post. And there was Usise all alone, tapped in to score his first goal for the Orient. To double our lead. I've never seen someone look so happy that U- when Usise did to was score his goal. Was he a bit surprised that he scored that? It didn't look like it was going to go in. No. I've, I've watched it again today and I, it goes in and it looked, I think, I think it was going in anyway, was it? I think it's just sort of may have been I'm not sure the way the keeper but it was sort of the way he touched it it just sort of ended up in the guard I'm not even sure he quite knew how he got it over (laughs) the line albeit sometimes that's what what we're lacking and it's just getting on the end of something and getting it over the line and I'm glad he did I'm delighted for him because he like I said earlier he's come in settled in really quickly but that that just gives you that little bit more than it when you when you get on the score sheet I've got to say two assists for Josh Wright yeah. As well as well being top goal, I don't know how many assists he's got to be honest, but two yesterday he's not doing too bad. It comes in for Josh. a lot of criticism as well from fans, Josh yeah, Wright, because he can be anonymous, I guess, at times. But it's yeah. just what he does deliver. I like think the that's the thing. I was listening to, and this sounds crazy, I suppose, to some people that that I would com- that I would compare Josh Wright to Jordan Henderson. But I was watching match of the day this morning, and they were talking about you know the importance of Jordan Henderson to the Liverpool team and what he brings. And I think sometimes, unless you really analyse and, 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 and focus on what Josh brings to the team. He brings a calmness when when things are not particularly great or he finds a comfortable pass that might not be defence splitting but it settles the team yeah. down and he gets you know, he, he covers an incredible amount of distance on a regular basis, week in, week out. Um, he gets through a hell of a lot of work both defensively and and, and, and trying to get into the box and in and he's our top top goal scorer mm. albeit a couple of penalties chucked in there as well. So I think um I would agree I would disagree with, with people's um criticism of him mm. and and, I, and it does delight me a little bit when I hear that there is criticism that he steps up and scores a penalty against Northampton. Great. It just just, yeah. just just reminds people of his importance and the, and, it, and our professional yeah. is and then for him to, to supply us with two goals yesterday, just he's just a reminder that yeah he does do a little bit more. Yeah, he does. Yeah, very good. He really does. Um, a good quick build-up play in that, and I agree with the cross from Josh uh, being excellent. Usi's fast becoming my favourite player. He likes like like, defensive midfielders. I do. Well. Nigel Atangana, Romain Vincelo was was in that spot as well. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Big Things fan. Got even better. They minutes did. later. Sixty second minutes. Two became three as a throw in from George Marsh. 
And Connor Wilkinson, who laid the ball off to Rossitori, just kept going forward, drove forward, cut inside to his left foot, just outside the area. And again, he just looks up, looks for goal, gets his shot away, beats Farman. And suddenly it's 3-0 with 62 minutes gone and you're thinking, Jesus Christ, yeah, what's going on? Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. What? It's just it's not it's not enjoyable. <laughs> it don't matter even if it's 62 minutes and you're 3-0, it's not enjoyable. It's because you're an Ireland fan. It's not enjoyable until... It's because you're an Ireland fan. It's not enjoyable until the final whistle goes. It's, um, the problem that I've found since I've been doing the, the, the job, not just permanent, but all the way through the season, is it doesn't matter what happens, you're always worried about something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you can see the goal, mm-hmm. right, what am I going to do? to change it. If you're level and you're under a bit of pressure, right, am I going to change this? If you're up a goal and you score a goal, you don't want to celebrate too much because you, you, you meet, your immediate thing is, is, come on boys, don't don't sit back, don't don't let them get on top of us, don't take it for granted. Mm. And, and, and it's, 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 there's a constant concern, analysis, worry, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, as to how you're going to keep improving. And then when we went three goals up, I Started to think maybe it might have been her day, but it was then about keep a clean sheet, keep a clean sheet, because they're, they're the things that you're missing. You want to, you want to, you want, you are striving for, per, for mm. per, perfection all the time, and uh, so it's not enjoyable until that whistle goes, which is why I go mad when the whistle goes. Just that outpour of relief, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. So you've got one of those watches on that monitors your heartbeat. Do you ever look back over the course? Do you know of... what? I haven't set it up properly to monitor my heart, heart rate. Okay. So I pretty much use it as, as uh, obviously a stopwatch and that sort of thing. Right. And it counts me steps. That's the quite right. the interesting one of, uh, of how up and down the dugout I could go. But um, I do need to. To be, I have said a few times about putting them the heart rate monitors on that the boys that the boys have to see what it detects. See what happens. See how it, how spiky yeah. it goes at, at what, and at what point. Um, okay, so in the we're going to fast forward now to the eighty fourth minute. Um, no, shortly after. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Shortly after, um, it was the first sub videos as Danny Johnson came on to make his debut in place of Jordan Maguire. During shortly after, further subs came as Liango uh, came on for Royal Sotorio and Hector Kiprianu came on for Craig Clay. So Royal Sotorio to be denied a potential hat trick. Are you just managing players at this point? Yeah, and I think we have to respect the amount of football we've played in the last little while yeah. and the amount of work that 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 the boys get mm. for in general. But for Ruel, a lot of his work, his high intensity sprints, sprints over a distance, you know, as well as the accumulation of distance, like I mentioned with Connor, the amount mm. of running that he does and the amount of running right he does and people like that. But if you look at people like Ruel, Craig Clay, probably similar in terms of that bursts of energy that they have, it does leave them sometimes when they get fatigued, susceptible to yeah. injury. So. Yeah, the argument could have been that Ruel was on a box. Is was there that Ruel was on a hat trick? But imagine if we were sitting here now talking about an injury that he picked yeah. up because I'd left him on for eight minutes or whatever yeah. that I didn't need to. And it's important that we keep, you know, we keep people energized. Danny yeah. Johnson comes on and he makes his debut. Leanne Gold comes on the pitch and you know he's gone from being in the team to out the team. But we need to keep them people fresh and and, and you know keep dangling the carrot for everybody so mm. that they're so that they're ready all the time. Yeah, absolutely. 84th minute. Yeah. Some neat passing between Danny Johnson and Josh Wright. So the ball comes to the angle, poked the ball, passed his defender, got into the box, and his shot beat Farman, but just went wide of the far post. That looked like it was 
or inches away from going in. I mean, that would have been the icing on the cake yeah. or an goal to get his goal yeah. and, and to get a fourth. And a, and a big reason that you put him on and, and the reason that Connor stood on the pitch because you want, you want your strikers to score. score goals, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, six minutes of stoppage time uh, played with nothing of note. The full-time whistle went to give the O's a deserved three points and to leave the large amount of travelling O's fans cheering the team off the pitch, chanting your name. <laughs> no better. Still put the hairs on the back of your neck. Yeah, when you mention it, now it does. It, um, yeah, like I said to you, genuinely there, like the expression of that, that uh, the tension that you feel through the game. Obviously, when we win, it's a delight anyway. Yeah. But the relief and everything, just for me, just comes out, and it's easier for me to do it there with obviously in front of a. Fantastic following, and and and, it, and it's an unbelievable feeling to hear people. That hear tension people release that. of all your that overthinking, all and yeah. I don't need to worry about that anymore. It's just the the yeah. zen, if you like, the yeah, fact that I can now. Because I'll be honest, I said to um, Wayne Burnett when I went to Tottenham the other week, I said he said to me, "What are you like after a defeat?" And I said to him, "I'm okay because I analyse the game to death. So Sundays I watch, I watch." today and I, I would watch it if we lost and I'd get my analysis done so that when I go in tomorrow I'm ready and and, and you know capable of, of, of starting the week afresh and it's already been analysed to a degree but I did say to him I don't enjoy the wins enough so I enjoy the wins then I'll get on the coach and have a glass of wine or whatever and have a drink when I get home but I don't feel like I really enjoy them enough because of that little bit like I said there when you score a goal you get yourself something to worry about yeah. and you start thinking about the next one straight away whereas with a defeat it's like right I've got what went wrong how did it go wrong why did it do it whereas almost with a I still analyse a, a, a victory but you, you're you not really searching for answers because it's gone right do you know, do you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds right you, so. you can't find anything wrong because it's gone right why would you why would you do yeah. that you've won so I know that our performance yesterday right. wasn't Man City do you know what I mean I know it wasn't yeah. Liverpool I know it wasn't yeah, yeah, we weren't in total control of the game, but I know that we did the, the gritty determination things really well, and we we were very professional, managed the games really well, and we won. Mm. So when I watched it back today, it's like a little bit of a different mindset that you're watching it. In. Whereas when you're losing, you're constantly searching for it. So I feel like I can deal with a defeat a little bit better because of how yeah, much sure. I read into trying to find the answers. Whereas. I don't feel like I really You don't want to pick the bones out of a win because you won. No, so you did right, it right. Yeah. So that happened because that happened and then you won because of the things that happened in the build-up to right. that. So yeah. if you're going to say, well, don't do that again, then you might not score yeah. again, for example. Yeah, exactly. So, right. so yeah. when you say analyse, you watch every game on yeah. the Sunday yeah, and yeah. for the whole 90 minutes and you're just making notes going, that works well, that doesn't work so well, he could have done better there, he should have done that there, he done really well there. Yeah. So, so when you go on a Monday, you've got this whole... It's ready. So Joe and... Um, Joe and, and Charlie, who, who the the two analysts, um, Joe like leads that that area, um, and, and Charlie sort of coming to work with him this year, and they've um, they're fantastic. Their work ethic and the detail that they do, and they really mine and Joe's relationship last year was a fantastic one because we analysed the games all the time, and we would put a lot of the videos together to show Justin to show the players, or if we would show the players, depending on how he wanted it presented. Um, it's got easier for us now because I'll go in tomorrow morning and I know that most of the things that I've pulled out of the game, Joe would have pulled out of the game already and he'll go to me, what about this in the 28th minute? What about this? And 
and, and, and all them sorts of things. Or we'll be texting each other today saying, oh, with a goal, that was that move that we talked about, or whatever, you know, as an example. Um, yeah, so I like to do that now, and, and I've, I've managed now on my laptop to get about a certain sort of software where I can actually pull out the infant, like the clip, the video from the games, and then take it in and say, right, this is what I've got. Whereas before, I'd write down like 24th wow. minute, switching the play, 30th minute, good defending the box, whatever it might have been as the example, and then I would give it to Joe and he would find the information on the video. So just makes it a little bit easier for us to do now. But I, yeah, it's, I normally I normally do it when the kids go go to bed on a Sunday night. So okay. I uh, don't lose Whilst you're waiting for the kids. podcast to download, just obviously. Before the po- while, while, it's, <laughs> while it's downloaded. <laughs> it's such a load of nonsense. <laughs> so that win sees the O's climb to 18th in League 2. <laughs> Putting us 12 points clear of the relegation places. We've now played 31, won 8, drawn 10, lost 13, 34 points, and a goal difference of minus 9. So, your views on yesterday? Yeah, an emphatic win. You know, um, looking at all the positive comments about how well we played, plus being told that we played better against Crew in a game that we lost, and compared to a game today where we've come out, we've scored three goals and kept a clean sheet. Um, I couldn't be happier. Um, it makes a weekend so much better. Just need to build on this so this isn't a one-off. I can see the performances have been improving, even though we haven't always got what we've deserved from a game. Plaudits coming in for Oos and Ruel, uh, which pleases me. I think Ruel is the missing piece of the Orient Jigsaw puzzle and he's now giving Ross the impossible task of dropping him because he's scoring and he looks dangerous every time he's in the box. So well done to the huge amount of fans who also went. Yeah, for me, a superb game. Uh, pleasing elements for me, obviously, it's Tori. He looks like he's going to score now every time he gets the chance. And for a striker, it's a great thing to have. Oos has settled in, like we've spoken about, really well. Rigru comes in, gets a clean sheet in his first start, which is massive for a keeper's confidence. Happy uh, and Marvin got really good reviews yesterday. You'll yeah. read some of the tweets. They both got really kind of highlighted, so great for that. Hopefully, you know, we've had the tweet saying relegation is a possibility. Hopefully, that now stops and we give well, ourselves a good basis. Mathematically, to go it is. Playoff is mathematically possible as well. Do you know what I mean? Of course it's, it is. It's absolutely. Right. Mathematically, these things are still that's quite right. possible. And, and, and I, my, my real message to the boys in recent times has been about getting better, about improving and about striving for more and giving ourselves more of a focus. And I feel that we're in a very good position now to keep striving and looking forward and, and, and getting that progression mm. in order to make the rest of this season much more positive, but then give us an energy and a, and a refocus for what comes next season and, and, you know, and building for the, for, the, for the bigger and the longer term. Mm. Well, I think that's what Justin done really well in that first yeah, season. Yeah, you know, yeah. we, kind of got, we, we knew we weren't getting relegated and he kind of pushed it on and he kept the mould and yeah. kind of set the scene to push That's the next right. season and we've got a good energy and a good feel towards the end of that season and yeah. I know numerous times in the huddle before we left the pitch after the warm up that was my thing of the bigger picture the bigger picture where we're trying to get to what we're trying to achieve you know what we want to become all those sorts of things and, and it was a constant reminder mm. oh, did anyone ever think we were going to go and do what we did in the manner that we did it? I don't, I'm not sure, but it was something that we were striving for. And I think unless you strive for that, you're never going to, you're never going to achieve it. So now we need to, like you said, we need to build. We need to use it as a platform to get better and better and better. 
are we going to win every game for the rest of the season? Well, if we do, the playoffs ain't far off. <laughs> but but the, realism, the realism of it has to be that we need to keep striving to get better. Yeah. And if we don't achieve the performances, the results that we want, well, why not? But what are we doing to make sure that we're, we keep building on, on the rest of this season to, to make, us, make us get stronger? You know, we are... We were not in a position that any of us wanted wanted us yeah, to be in this season, but but stability and, and 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 capability again at the start of this season was what was what we wanted, and and the sooner we can strive to get that, it gives us a bigger platform to move on. So we're fourteen points off of the last playoff place and twelve points off the relegation place. Right. Either way, you mentioned the pre-match huddle. Someone, there's a question that someone sent question, in yeah. saying that you didn't do it yesterday. You don't, don't do it any. at all. You don't do it now. You're no, I've no, done I've noticed one. that you don't. Yeah, um, I've done one this season, which was Carl's first game. Um, my my thing really the re- reason we started doing the huddle, which was at that period you're talking about, not long after Justin came in, was we we have like a a, a ritual way of things working in the changing room in that period when we come in after the warm up and when we start. And for me, that was always. Justin's time to really try and hammer down the messages and the things that he wanted and I'm not saying it was just him because we would all input I would shout the things to the boys to try and motivate them that I knew were, were coming from his yeah. messages that was my job to do that but I always felt that leaving the pitch was my like my last time of saying right remember if we talked about this tactically in training if we done this this week because when we got in the changing room it was all more motivational mm. stuff so it was like my last chance of saying to him boys like remember that what the left back gets pulled out of position today or remember that whereas now I've spent all week doing that yeah, they don't yeah, need to hear my voice again and I'm very conscious of the fact that it's not me 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 and, and it, they hear from other people so Joby takes that responsibility on a lot with Joby having been a captain and a leader at a lot of the clubs that he's been at I know he shares the Shares it sometimes, you know. He's he's let uh, Josh Wright do it. He's let Coulson do it. He's let Matty Harold Turles. At one stage, we let Mikey, the fitness coach, do it. Like just to try and give it a different focus on what they say in there. To be honest, when I say I don't care, obviously I want them to be saying the right things. But it's what's right by them. Yeah. And if one day they turn around and say to me, "We don't need to do the huddle no more," then then fine. For me, we all shout and scream and do what we do in the changing room before we go out. And then you see, like Stephen is digesting, they do that that huddle bef- before they do the yeah. kickoff. For me, as he's done, get on the pitch, it's game time, worry about the game, don't need to worry about anything else. So that was sort of where that huddle started from. It was me selfishly being able to get my tactical messages across because the motivational stuff came in between. Well, I don't really need to do that no more. And they don't need to hear my voice again. <laughs> Another great insight there from Mr. Embleton. So those were our views, your views, in lots coming in, lots of very happy O's fans Good. after yesterday, as you would expect. Veggie Jones says, before anyone says it, it's only bottom of the table, Stevenage. Worth pointing out that in their 16 home games this season, we are only the second team to win there by more than a single goal. I didn't know that. Very good stat. Good stat, oh, Veggie Jones. Better late than never. Said I'm loving the hundreds of O's fans singing Ross Embleton's name. Yeah, I'm so am sure, I. Sure <laughs> you are, yeah, as much as this man, Paul Skinner, 88. Says great result. Never looked like losing. Starting to gel well now. Satiriu is becoming the new Bond. If 
we can keep Cissé in the summer, that would be very good. Matty, LOFC Evans said, perfect performance, Ruel's a talent, pure and simple, of the best youngsters to come out of the academy and is very much making himself a cult hero, a la Moses Adebayo. Need to build on this and smash Macclesfield in a similar fashion. Don't doubt Ross, don't uh, doubt the club, back him. Yeah, Jamie Buck 98 says, get Cissé on a two-year deal ASAP. He is a monster in the middle. <laughs> did we ask about that earlier? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, we did. Uh, Jamie Buck uh, 98, you've just done. Stroud Greeno said, excellent result. That's just banished those lingering relegation fears for me. Just looking forward to being able to enjoy the rest of the season now and not having much to worry about. Would be great to see us go on a run, uh, on a roll, and set up a platform for next season. Up the O's. So Molly Folly 2019. So this guy's been very critical over the last month or so. I think he was asked the question on Thursday. So the key was the big call to change the keeper. Should have happened Tuesday, but better late than ever. So well done, Ross. Everyone played well. Great performance and a massive result. So that was an interesting tweet because, as I say, and mostly he's negative been quite critical. critical. Yeah, Richie J. Bourne said, Good professional performance with a solid CSA, ambitious and dangerous Satoru, and a commanding Vigaru. Nino Barone 27 said, Based on what I've just watched, we are safe now. Stevens looked dead and buried, real lively as ever, and rewarded for his efforts. But everyone on the pitch was outstanding, and hashtag it Team Ross. Matty Sari said, Great team performance, never in any trouble at all, clinical going forward, solid at the back, Marvel superb. Again, so it's good to see Marvin get some plaudits, like we mentioned. You know, I think he's probably found it tougher than what we thought he'd find it. I think if we're all honest, but seems now like he's getting that relationship with both happy. So, two young centre backs in the middle. I think um, it's easy to forget where and what Marv's come from. Mm. He was playing in Conference South, and gets a nudge into playing in in the National League, and then he wins the National League, finds himself in League 2 like that. And I think we all want, we all expected more of the season. But I think for like for Marv, for Dan Happy, as two examples, they're two lads that are playing, it's their first experience. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan might have made his debut in the season that we went down. I don't, I don't think he did. But, oh, you, you might well, for me, he wasn't, even, he wasn't even on a professional contract when, when I came to the club, yeah. which might, blows my mind. Yeah. That of all the fantastic young players that we've had come through this club, Dan Appy wasn't even on a professional contract. just blows me away. But what, it's another suggestion of where some of our players have come to, that they've come into the league this year. And as a group, as a club, as a team, you know, we, we'd been through a lot, but we never got to grips with the league for whatever the reasons were we never got to grips quick enough we've you know we've made mistakes we've run it switching up whatever it might have been and I think then when you have young players that come into that environment it's about how they pick up and adjust and then the, the best ones the good ones will adjust quickly and and get get to grips with it and I think what we're starting to see now is two players that have never ever had a question mark over have, they were both having a season at this level that they probably should have been having because it's their first yeah. first experience of it. Um, so it takes time, it takes adjusting to, and I think um, in the last few games we've certainly started to see a progression for them and, and, and that they're, com- they're more comfortable with playing in League yeah, 2. Certainly are. Good times ahead, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Orient underscore Ed said, what a vital win. We contested every ball and got stuck in. As terrible as Stevenage were, we were super. 
Oh, and Wesley out. George Nicholas underscore one says, get in. The work rate was exceptional from everyone, but especially, again, from Oos. We chased every loose ball and closed them down every time. Much improved individual performances as well, in particular, from Josh Wright. Having seen Stevenage today, the R word can be put to bed. Pandemonium1881 said, yes, Stevenage were very poor, but we were supremely professional in our application, from goalkeeper to strikers. Simple defending when required, got the ball down when we could, drew fouls in clever areas and took chances when they came. Yes, it is that easy. Well done to all. Record Blue Apps is clinical in the second half. First half was even. Stevenage had some decent chances, but we but were non-existent in the second half. Raw was a menace to them and thought Vigoro looked very composed. Excited for next Saturday. Hopefully a win and we can look to mid-table. Ali Duncan said, bit shaky at times in the first half, but who cares? Satorio and Cissé have injected a bit of confidence and we never looked in trouble in the second. Yeah. MS Orient said, embrace that excellent performance. We played some outstanding stuff throughout the whole 90 minutes. It was a complete performance from every single player, and Stephen has looked oh so poor. Once again, hats off to a terrific result in Hertfordshire. Willow Gaffer said a comfortable win. They offered little to nothing. Solid professional performance from the O's. Cissé is a beast. Marv was faultless uh, the whole game. Clay was back to his busy self, and all in all, a good day. The three points pretty much securing our League 2 status. Time to look upwards and forward. Craig Clay's another one who at times has been criticised this season, but again yesterday a lot of nice tweets coming in for Craig Clay. Obviously we only mentioned a few of them, we don't yeah. mention all of them. I've said it to you, he's probably my most frustrating player. Because yeah. there is a good player in there, it's yeah. just it just go it just frustrates me that we don't see it often enough. I think if you look at Craig's career at the level, it's probably a new new experience for him. Um and I think there's there's elements of his game that I'm sure he, if you sat down and talked to him that he would talk about probably needing to to clean up and, and, and tidy up on. But what he does give us is a real energy and work rate when he's when he's bang on his game and he gives us a he gives us a, like a platform to to work towards, you know. So even if he's not having a great game he's not creating chances or he's not getting on the ball loads he wins the ball back or if he don't win it back he hurries up other people and forces people into errors and I think when Craig's at his, at his, at his performing at his best and his, and his freshest that he's, um, he's he must be a really difficult player to play against you know so um, yeah he's, he's probably not been the season that he's wanted it to have especially after how, you know, how good he was last year but then again we've stepped up a level yeah. and, and, and got to get to grips with that there's better players that he's playing against every week the, the players that he played against last year he was fitter than physically in better, better condition than a lot of them whereas this year everyone's on a very similar similar mm. level yeah Chris Caltus is a massive win still work to do to get our place and need to mathematically certain and build a base for next season must try to keep CSA and get Rule on a long term contract is Rule on a contract yeah, he is at the moment. I think, like you say, it's... Um, uh, again, that was one of the questions that we had quite a lot of. Yeah. Is he tied down? Yeah, well, I, I think with the way he is at the moment, it will certainly be something that, that evolves over the next little while and, and, and becomes stronger because of a, because of how well he's been performing. Awesome. Um, six well, points from the next tonight. two home games, please. Yeah, get cracking, Martin. Uh, both very <laughs> get, your, get your biro out. <laughs> um... Danboy underscore Clark said, not all heroes wear capes. Mine wears the number 20. 
at Royal Satoru, a great performance and everyone played their part. Big Marvel's immense. And Karen Orient, who's one of your sponsors from yes. the Picnic Group, Thank tweeted us. Thank you for our chocolate orange. Yep. We've got one with us tonight. See here proudly. says, isn't it great to have a striker who runs at defence? It's massive well done to Royal Satoru. Hashtag season changer. Kid Sampson, I said, massive stride towards safety. I was worried about the game, but Stephen is rarely threatened after a bright-ish uh, first 10 minutes. I've been critical of the midfield since the first game, but Usise uh, being able to tackle makes all the difference in his in this side. Uh, Leighton underscore ES says, massive fan of Cisse. Coincidence that the performances of both those behind, especially Marvin and in front, Clan Wright, have improved since he came into the team. Has another year on his contract at Gillingham. Wonder what our chances of keeping him are. Obviously. Has he got another year at Gillingham? I thought he's out of contract at the end of the season. I'd rather go with what Ross is saying, really. Stuart1973 said, I thought Vigaru brought a calmness in goal that we haven't seen. Was mobile, kept talking, and with some of his deliveries, he made a defence into attack. That calmness rubbed off on a number of players, and really the result was never in doubt once the first result uh, first went in. There's a bit on the highlights where Brophy kind of shields the ball out and you see Vigoru go to him and yeah. just they're saying something and they're both laughing and he gives him some kind of like slap slash high five. So Let me tell you now, you wouldn't want to understand anything that he's talking about. <laughs> Thicker th- thick thieves, isn't they? That they're laughing at. It might not even have anything to do with football. Um, they're... Um, they them two are very close, but... Oh, of course, because of the Swindon yeah. yeah, But... Um, that's Loz. Loz has got that um, belief in himself. He's got the calmness in his performance that even if he makes a mistake, he's got that that presence. He he, he backs himself. He's um, You talk about his kicking from one end of the pitch to the other. That's a massive part of his game and, and he loves that side of the game in terms of him being able to do what he does on the ball. Um, but he has got that real... Um, laid back attitude sometimes you feel like you need to give give him a kick up mm. the backside but that's his manner it's the way that he goes about his business he's very laid back and I think you, you sort of see to a degree yesterday that he doesn't get too phased by by things and if you're under a little bit of pressure he he's willing to embrace that you know the, the challenge yeah, yeah. rather than getting flustered by it and he turned down a couple of League One clubs to come to us yeah. didn't he yeah which yeah, says a lot he, about the, your your draw and attraction to him. Yeah, when when, club, when, when, I, when when we were at Swindon, he was um, very very close to getting a championship move, very very close, and it and it didn't materialise for whatever reason. But you know, people have heard silly stories about him, and he he's wild. He's a goalkeeper. He's bonkers, but <laughs> he's um, he's got a heart of gold, and he's he's a, for me he's a great personality. And I think if you manage him properly and you harness that wildness that he's got. He, you got for me an absolutely magnificent goalkeeper, um, and like I say, and all the other bits and the trimmings that go with it of him of him being good around the place mm. with the rest of the boys. So, uh, you know, as soon as it become a possibility, I sort of almost asked him the question, thinking I was going to get a, I'd love to, but not, I don't really want to go to League Two. But then the response I got from him didn't feel like that, and I thought, well, hold on a minute, we've got a chance here, mm. so. Delighted to get nice. Brilliant, brilliant. Kevin Cowlin tweeted, so the calm, efficient performance where everyone played their part. This confirmed we're poles apart from Stevenage, who offered very little and have the added disadvantage of being managed by that winner, Wesley. Tactical masterclass from Ross and a kick in the teeth for his detractors. Yeah, and the final word this week goes to Les LK52, who we met at the 
uh, Thursday we evening uh, event, and that was good to see. Uh, can't find a single negative. Every one of the team was a candidate for man of the match. Okay, Stephen needs report, but you can only beat what's in front of you. And if I was Ross, I'd be trying to get Marvin to sign a new contract. Apparently it runs out in the summer, and trying to sign Cissé as he's my Vincent company. Very high praise indeed. I'm sure Martin and Russ are already speaking to those players. Yeah, very much so. About contracts. Very much so. Yeah. So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that have been read out. There was a lot this week. Let us know what you think by tweeting us at Orient Outlook or you can email us at orientoutlook.com. So that wraps up um, yesterday's match at Stevenage Prediction League. Um, well done to uh, Boggs Dollocks 1 at LOFC 08 Alan Reeves 2 who correctly predicted 3-0 so you get 3 points but extra special uh, well done to Mark Shepherd underscore 79 who predicted 3-0 and a scorer so you get 4 points but wow Les K is on a massive roll here and he he gets 5 points for his correct prediction and 2 goal scorers so that means the top of the prediction league is yeah so 19 points Steve Chaplin for an East London Exile 18 points in second place at Floodgate and 16 points Spenno 011 and Wings Mad and you can find the full table on our Facebook page yep so moving on then to Sunday the 2nd of February the Orient Ladies League game against Enfield was postponed so there was no ladies match this weekend have you ever been had time to go and see the ladies' matches. No, no, I actually offered my services to go and do a coaching session for them last year, and no one took it up. But that's not. I haven't taken it personally. <laughs> my my Sundays, I go and watch my little boy play on a Sunday. So, right. um, as much as I would like to go and watch the ladies' team, I um, it's a very good day for me to spend some time with the kids. No problem at all. Um, so as is um, as is uh, customary, we've we've asked uh, for fans to um, we've asked fans to to, to well, we invited fans to give their questions. So we've got a number of questions that have probably been asked and answered. I think it's fair to say already. So yeah, we've got lots have been answered. We mentioned Molly Folly, two thousand nineteen, who's been a critic of yours. Yep. It's fair to say he messaged us and said, "There's a critic to Ross. Well done yesterday." It appears you've struggled to develop your own style of play. We've seen poor selection, formation and tactical decisions of very few 90-minute performances. Do you accept this? And is it fair to say you're still progressing from a coach to manager? I've only been doing it a couple of weeks, so yes. It's a very simple answer for me. Um, style of play is a very interesting one. Um, and the formation. I get a lot of... Um, interesting conversations about our formation at the moment and I'd be very interested to see a lot of the critical ones as to what people think we're playing at the moment. So what what do we play? Is it is it a 4-1... I, I don't even know what it is four, we one, play. Three, I know, I it's, think, I know it's four at the back. You know what's mad, right? Is you can write down any formation you right. want and make it look like something. So when we say we play 4-1... For me... We play four at the back, yeah. we play three midfield players and we play three up front. So, it's a, so in your eyes it's a 4-3-3? Three, three. Yeah. That's how I write it down, that's what the boys would call okay. it, that's how, we, that's how we deliver it, that's what we talk about. Um, I know sometimes that can look negative because your wingers get pushed back, but then at other times it can look positive if we get the, the yeah. shape and the structure mm. of the front players right, and that's ultimately what ends up making the performance a little bit better. Um, but that can evolve into a diamond where you've got Us in front of the back four, Josh, Josh Wright push forward and then you've got a little yeah, bit of width yeah, as well. And, right? and that's, that's and why I think fluid. it's dangerous to sort of say we play this formation yeah, yeah. because it can be manipulated of 
when we scored the first goal yesterday, Jordan Maguire drew, comes off the wing into like a position off the front, switches the play. So he's coming into an area of the pitch where he's almost working like a number 10, but he's got those qualities to do that. You know, Ruel, we've managed in the last few weeks to make him a little bit closer to, to Connor or Lee, whoever he plays up front with. Whereas before, when Connor's in the wide position, he ends up a little bit wider. It's the personnel that you have in those positions and the way that you manipulate it and what you want to call it and talk about it and use it to a negative and a positive is it can be anything can be picked to pieces like that. So the answer I would say is hundred percent yes. Um, I think I'd be very naive, and I think most most managers, but most um, new inexperienced managers would be very naive to say that they're not still developing and not still searching for what's going to be right for them. And for me to sit here and say 4-3-3 is my preferred formation, it's about working with the players to the best of your ability to, and, and, and that are available to go, and go out and put in a performance worthy of, of getting results. Mm. That for me will evolve. If we start next season with two out-and-out strikers or we start with a diamond in midfield or a three in midfield, if it works out successful, then... It's my job to coach that and, and what I do do all the time is I back myself to be able to yeah. to coach the team to be best prepared to go and win games of football. So I feel as though I'm starting to present that identity and that strategy or formation and style of play um, in the last few weeks. There's been a lot of upheaval this season in many different ways and we've had to spend a lot of time just trying to repair the group and get their mindset right and energy and work ethic and all those things in, in the right place in order to, to improve. And then now, now we feel as though we've got that, we give ourselves more of an opportunity to have a bit more of an identity in the way that we play. And I guess now you've come part of the January transfer window, like you know you've got, you know so-and-so might not leave, who you might have done, you know you've got him, so you know you know what you're working with and yeah. you know that group is intact. Yeah, and, and we've had a common theme because... In the last few weeks, we've really managed to get people to start to understand exactly how we want to work and what we what we want from our performances, how we feel we're going to be able to hurt the opposition, how we can best use James Brophy as a, as a left-back, because I know that one's come up a lot tonight, but how we can best utilise his skills and his strengths in those positions to, to get up the pitch, whilst you know the other players in the other positions further up as well. So, yeah, definitely I am. But no shame in admitting that. No, no, it's it's all part of the learning curve. I don't think anyone stops learning. No, well, no matter well, what, yeah, whether yeah. you're a Jose Mourinho or yeah, of course. or yourself. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. it, and it, because it forever changes. It's always Jose Mourinho. One minute's got the best striker in the world playing up front for him, and then the next minute he hasn't. Yeah, he's yeah. got to do something with Son and Lorente, whereas right. he had Harry Kane. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you, your circumstances are forever changing, so I don't think you can be too unless you got you know a, a selection of and a depth to the amount of players that you can choose from I don't think you ever have ever ever have it on your own terms mm. funny enough the guy you brought in has just got a score against yeah. City tonight oh, so yeah. how's your luck um, what have you found to be the hardest part of being a manager do you know what to begin with I found the um, the change for people's attitudes towards you. And I don't just mean, obviously, the first and foremost, the players. But generally, people's attitudes change towards you. Like, so the first little while, as it, I think as the players probably sensed that I was about to become the manager, 
I started to get treated like the manager, mm. and I, I it was very unusual for me. You noticed, and I felt really that my jokes well. weren't funny anymore. Well, it's not that they were ever funny <coughs> in the first place, but, but you tried the ones that maybe did get a laugh every now and again last season didn't quite get a laugh right. anymore. I'd walk in a room and it'd go quiet, or or my big thing has always been that during a game I always talk, turn around to the bench and if Cissé gives the ball away that I talk to. Dal Gorman about the pass or where he should have done this or Hector you could maybe think about doing that because it involves the education of the players and gets them to understand what I want a little bit more and I found that the ones that were on the bench that were a little bit unhappy didn't really give me much of a response in terms of the facial so I started to find that to begin with I started to find it difficult because it was I'd had very comfortable relationships with those players and yeah. then all of a sudden they were looking at me differently and with disappointments but I think I quickly got over that when I made some of my bolder decisions and then what that started to teach me about those bold decisions and about the relationships that I have with the players is that I can still have really good relationships with them but it's about a professional relationship and how I, hmm. how I don't let that cover up what's best for the team. Um, and that making and and then then that making those bolder decisions, those bigger decisions, starts to become easier because of the way that you manage those relationships. And ultimately, everything that I do is for the best of Leighton Orient, best for the team. Mm. And it's not always necessarily about the yeah. particular individual that may be suffering or may be benefiting from coming into the team. So I think question. that's probably the newest one for me. But the biggest one for me, and then one that, that I found strange to yeah, deal with. The change in relationships. Nigel mentioned uh, an example that when you know you've gone from being this to this, but people may not necessarily see you as where you're at now. For example, he gave the example he gave was in his role when he went from being the HR guy yeah. to the CEO in the same company. People still saw him as the HR guy who's now CEO. Whereas when he left and went somewhere else, he was what he was meant to be seen yeah. as. So it's always that difficult when you're promoted from within. Um, I got promoted from being, I got uh, just a normal sales guy and I got team leader. So I went from being sort of one of the guys to being, well, I have to take a step, step back and back. I can't say yeah. that about this thing or that thing. Or yeah. that. And I can't be too critical about the management now because I'm part of it. So and I, think, I understand that. I think as well and for me well. that the difficult thing, and I've got, again, I've got no problem with it because I'm proud of my career and I'm proud of where I've come from and what I've done, but I do think that there's probably a lot of supporters that are not excited by me and there's a lot, probably a lot of people around that still see me as that kid that's come through and been involved at the Orient. And like I say, I'm proud of that and I, I back myself and I believe in myself to be able and capable to do the job well. Um, but at the same time I do understand that but I think yeah. that sometimes that probably works against me of I'm me and I'm, I've had the, the, the backing I have and I know some people are excited by the fact that I'm an Orient fan and yeah, I've been around the club for so long and, and, it, and it excites them that someone like that is in charge of their team but at the same time I do understand that there's another side to it and I think that perhaps sometimes that viewpoint of me is a little bit different because of who I am or who I'm not Mm. he's probably another side of that as well it's really sad to, to hear that hear you say that because you're living your dream you've gone from being the 8 year old kid on the terrace to being the manager of the football club that's your dream and the fact that yeah you know maybe there are people out there as you've just said who perhaps um, would rather have had someone more experienced whatever that name may be whoever that may look like but the fact that it is yourself and the fact that you're 
I guess it's in your consciousness that that you're aware of that actually makes me as an Orient fan a little bit sad that that you're living your dream knowing that there's other people that are not happy about that. I I, I can't really explain it. No, I get where you're coming from, but it's true, and I think that's... That is the way I feel about it. There's, you know, I, I do receive a massive amount of, of of support, and and like I say, I don't hold it against anybody. I'm I'm fine with it. And and to be honest, right at the start of the season when I decided I didn't want to be the manager, that's always my concern is that I'm 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 Ross Emporton, who's Ross Emporton. So I know that I've got to do probably a lot lot more to to um, to be successful to 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 ever a viewpoint of, of being a, a very, very good head coach or a manager because of the way people might perceive me. But I've got no problem with it. I've, I'm fine with whatever people's opinions are. I think I've said before, I'd, much love, I'd love everyone to love me, but that's not how life works. Mm-hmm. I know there's always going to be critics and I know there's going to be people that are not excited by it. I am. I know I'm going to do, I do the job to the very best of my ability and I'll do everything I can to be able to one day shake those people's hands and say, there you go, I've done it well, you know. Yeah. I'm sure we've asked you this before, um, but it's come up again. Obviously, you're an Orient fan. So, favourite game at Brisbane Road <laughs> as a kid? Favourite players? <laughs> this is a good question. Which Orient player do you wish you could sign now? In, of the past? And best atmosphere you've ever experienced at Brisbane Road? Right, so the first one was best... Favourite game. Favourite game. game. Does it have to be at Brisbane Road? Uh, no, no. Favourite game there. ever? was away to Dagenham and Redbridge in the FA Cup 5-4. Five, four. Five, four. Oh, I was wow. a ball boy. My, dad, uh, my, oh, mate, yeah. my best mate's dad was a director at Dagenham. Didn't need a ball boy, but we both just sat next to each other in the corner and, and I got to see that game from literally touching, touching the side of the pitch. So Super that's, my, that's my favourite my favorite game ever. That, that lives in the memory for a long, long time. Along with like Oxford and games like that. But, but that was... Uh, oh, Oxford that was away, what a game. Yeah. Favourite players? Danny Carter. Yes. Ooh, Danny Seven. Danny, yeah, Danny Carter was my uh, was my favourite. When I was mascot Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, I had my photo taken with Chris Bart Williams. Mm, but that nice. was more because Chris had played for the same. I played for Grasshoppers as a kid, and Chris had had played for for Grasshoppers as well. Uh, always loved Matty Lockwood. Mm. Um, I loved. This was from a completely different perspective, but Glyn Garner's professionalism <laughs> when I worked at the club was absolutely unbelievable he was um, a good guy wasn't he yeah, yeah. and then and then times coming to games like watching like Simba and people like that um, that was at a time when I used to go with my mates so it was a bit yeah. of a different different angle but Danny Carter's always the one I would say was, mm, was good my favourite player and who would you like to sign now if you had a chance to sign one player from Danny Carter. Yeah, I'd have Danny to say Carter. Danny Carter, wouldn't I? Um, do you know what though? Like when you look at like um, Dean Smith in the back, like we had the, obviously Stuart Hicks. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Martin like that, You know those. Yeah, yeah, obviously I'd like to sign Martin Lee, but um, no, Don't I tell think um, he doesn't listen. <laughs> I think I'd have to. I'd have to say. I'd have to say Danny Carter. I think because of um, because of growing up, yeah, him yeah, and being excited by him. best atmosphere. Oh, it's got to be one of the ones last year. Mm. Um, yeah. It wouldn't be the last game of the season. Do you know what was an unbelievable atmosphere? We were talking about all our games last year on the coach. Uh, was it the Haven't game at home when we were losing and we come back? Halifax. Really late. Halifax. And you know, what, you know one, I, I knew you were going to say that. 
because Danny Webb, when we had Danny Webb under the season, and we were going, we done the season review, yeah. and he mentioned the hat because we battered him in the second half, and like, right. we were going to lose two yeah. one. I think yeah. Harold managed That's to right. get one in with his head, yeah. and the whole place, the went whole place, ballistic. Was and the yeah. other one, and it was my favourite game, my favourite goal of last said. season. In the same game was Eastley at home, where we scored. Uh, I think it was Brove tapped it in at the far post, but yes, yeah, yeah. we'd had a really Free good two. move down it. Yeah, that was my. I think that was my day where I thought, oh my god, we are, and we got a chance to win this thing. And that was a big game, wasn't it? Yeah. You were two two one down at half yeah. time, and Bond scores, and then McCallum, I missed that. I was in Butland. McCallum that's scored missed, two yeah, ends, yeah. So That was yeah, oh, the place. yeah, yeah. The place was rocking that day. Amazing. Um, Matty LFC Evans asks, has Ross considered anyone else from the youth team to be brought into the first team soon to develop? <coughs> no, we've had Hector Ruel and Jade in the last few seasons, but anyone ready for the step up? No, I've been quite proud to sometimes this year when, when I've looked at the squad and seen that we've got Sarge. I think it was one game we had. Lingy, and, Lingy was out injured, but we had Sarge, Jardine, Hector, Shadrach, Ruel. Dan Appy, there were six or seven players that had all come through and we had a couple of injuries as well, that, that, like, like I say with Lingy being out, that, that meant that that was another one to take off the list and I was quite proud to be able to look and see that we had six academy graduates either on the pitch or in the squad. Right now I don't feel as though there's anyone in the youth team that's, that's ready to step up and, and, and push anybody close to that. Um, but I am very excited by the young ones we've got. We haven't, no one's seen anything of Brendan Shabani yet um, because he suffered it's a real bad injured. knee injury at yeah. the start of the season. We're hoping that he'll play in a reserve game this week. Um, again, not that that will, that will push the team because he's still 17, 18 years old, but I think it's a healthy state that we're in at the moment, but it probably be a, it's a bit early for any of the boys in the youth team. Good point. Well made. Uh, we have the next question is from, too busy working out what questions to put in or not. King Rory says, James Alabi, and I know we've spoken about Alabi before. Why did he, why didn't he, why did cult hero James Alabi not work out for Orient? So this is a funny one because, not a funny one, but this was mentioned and in this started off this huge debate about James Alabi <coughs> that was still kind of going on. Um, it just didn't work out for him, right? No, no, it didn't. I think um, I think for James, it, he deserves that cult hero status to a degree because of the way that he carries himself, and uh, even even up until you know he, he hadn't been involved for a while and and whatever before he went to Eastley. But even up until the day before he went, he come in, he trained properly, he did things right. He was the big personality out on the training pitch every day. Um, so I'm delighted that he has that status and that and that people have, have stuck with him in terms of, you know, we know how, we all know how it can be for, for people if their times don't go right at, at any club. Um, so I'm delighted that people stuck with James. He just never worked out, you know. He he had he had a good run when he first came into the squad. Um, got got a, got a goal away to Halifax. Obviously, he took his goal well this year against Grimsby, but. Mm. I just don't think he found his way into the team and, and couldn't find his, his way in front of in front of a number of the strikers that we've had at the club over the last okay. couple of years. But always would always have a glowing words and I did to, to Ben Strevens when he spoke spoke to me about him going to Eastley because he's he's a great lad and I and I do genuinely hope that it clicks for him again like it did at Chester and he can um he can find his way back into the league and, and scoring the goals that, that he's capable of doing. Do you have a points target in mind for this season? 
Um, no, right now, I think I keep talking about positivity and a better second after the season than the first half. So I don't have a, an outright points tally. A massive thing that plays on my mind right now is our goal difference. So if I could take something now and someone said to me, what do you really want? I would be striving to get a positive goal difference because I think that means that then we've had a much better second half to the season. I know that might sound like a bit of a flat one for people, but it does grain on me because I don't think we've conceded a huge amount of goals this year that I can say well, couldn't do much about that one Yeah. so that's something that I have as a real target in my mind to keep striving towards more clean sheets scoring more goals because they're, they're, they're the, yeah. the two boxes like, that you two mentioned earlier um, minus nine we're on at the minute yeah and, I, yeah. and that, that disappoints me And I, but I look at um, I look at the league table and I look at some of the teams that are slightly above us maybe a win or two wins above us and I think to myself well We've come up against them, and we, we you know we can we can certainly strive to be more than that. My my target at the start of the season, like I said to said to you earlier, is was to be stable and and, and get the get the whole place comfortable and, and back to normality mm. again. And I think if we if we're continuing to strive for for the middle of the table again, as unglamorous as that might sound to people, I think what it does do. And Joby said this to me about six seven weeks ago as we was looking at what we really needed to do in, in, in January, he said to me, this really, really feels a lot like the back end of, of the first season in the National mm. League and, and being able to strive for more is, is really yeah. important. So it doesn't fill anybody with real glamour, that one, but I think we have to be realistic. We had a question about the upcoming game against Forest Green Rovers. Mm. Obviously, what happened in the first game at Brisbane Road, that's coming up on Saturday, the 29th of February. How do you foresee the atmosphere between the two benches um, I will be and I, this is a promise to my mum and dad that I haven't made yet but to all supporters that might be worried about me don't worry about me because he won't wind me up he'll be doing everything he can and whatever else but that will be the biggest no the biggest focus of my day will be beating them but I can promise people that it won't happen there won't be any interaction because I don't feel as though Without going into too much detail, I don't think the man deserves it. And I think that's probably the simplest way of dealing with it, is to keep my distance, don't get involved, don't want nothing to do with him. And hopefully take the three points off him. And take the three Absolutely. points off please. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what's the best bit of advice that you picked up from Justin? Great question, to be fair. I think that's a really uh, good question. Do you know what? I don't know if, it's, if it was direct advice... But what my the biggest thing I've taken for him is his is his uh, attitude to hard work. I always looked at football as the football, as silly as that might sound. But I'd watch Man City, Liverpool, Barcelona, all them sorts of teams because that's the f- type of football I like to see. Um, but I probably ne- I probably underestimated the importance of hard work, and I mean that I don't mean that in terms of I feel like I've got a good work ethic and I feel like I put everything into doing my job properly, whatever job it is, every single day, and I'll put the hours in as many as I need to put in. But the intensity of your work and the demand of other people and the the importance of that culture that was the biggest thing that he. The biggest and the simplest thing that he changed when he came into the club, 
there wasn't enough work rate, there wasn't enough energy in the way that we went about our work. So, you know, there's been times this year when people say, oh, he didn't work very hard. But it's about the intensity that you that you work at and what you strive to achieve. And that was a massive part of what I took. I, I, it's frustrating for me now because I can't take loads from him and get advice from him as a manager because I didn't want to be a manager. Mm, yeah, I just wanted to work. I didn't want to just work for him. I don't mean it like that. But like someone had said to me, my career was going to yeah. flourish and I was going to be his number two for the rest of my career and it was all going to be singing or dancing, but either with the club or, or elsewhere, then I think I'd have taken that, you know, because of because of the relationship that we struck up. So I never sat there analysing him, but it was, I think, it was that in work and intensity and then his realism. I think there was always, he was always comfortable with how he was and he was always comfortable with what was important to him about people's families and all the wonderful things that we hear about him. But it was consistent every day, and I think that was um, that was the biggest thing that I take from him because unfortunately, I never got myself into mm. a position where I could really ask him his advice. Hopefully, that answers that. Great, great, yeah. great answer. Yeah. Um, I had this one in saying, do you see it as an advantage having a natural affinity to the club you're managing, or do you suspect it comes with extra pressure? To begin with, I would have said it was probably more of an extra pressure because I wanted us just to win all the time, and I still do. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's um, what I've had to learn is that I've, I have to try to remove the the attachment a little bit sometimes. I don't think it ever leaves you. I don't think it. Mm. I don't think it should ever leave me because it's part of my identity. Um, but to begin with, it was like a frustration. I wanted to please everyone. I wanted it to be. I wanted everyone to love everything about everything that we did, and that ain't real, that ain't the true yeah. story. That ain't life. So. Um, I've started to learn how to remove myself from that and look upon my my team, our team, our club as what needs to be done in order to try to be successful and not just the fact that it's late and orient and I want us to be the best. If there was one player that you could sign that's played against us this season, who that's would that, another who would question. that be? Question this evening. One player that's indoor... Think, I think it would have to be in terms of the we when he went back to Bradford from Swindon, the first thing everybody said is he don't have to play another game this season. He'll probably be top goal scorer in the league. Yeah, but interesting. He went to Bradford, didn't score on four. No. Goes back to Swindon yeah. and scores yeah, straight he away. Scores. And I think did he um, score yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that you have to you have to respect <laughs> that. I'm not saying he blew me away when we played him, but. He just because of what he's done, yeah. I think you have to stick with him. There's been a number of players I've liked. Um, there's a couple of the young Macclesfield boys that I liked. Archibald, who scored the goal, the first goal against us. Outrageous goal, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been a, a few like that, um, that 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 I like, but I think you'd have to go with that just because of what he's done already this season. Fair enough. Fine. So I wasn't at the game yesterday, but there was a question about it saying the pass back thing with Lawrence Vigoro, is that going to be an ongoing feature? Is that... Is that building from the back? Was Vigoru distributing the ball? Do you understand no. what the question is? No. I don't right. think we've done it any more than we did when Sarge was in goal. I think right. when the ball went back to Lawrence yesterday, there was a hell of a lot of wind going in his direction in the first half. So I wouldn't have said... Right. The answer to the question is no. <laughs> Fine. All right, yeah. I, without being at the game, it's quite hard to pick up on what that question... Um, were we close to moving any players out before the deadline to try and balance out the squad? Um, Did any moves out not work out for people? No, there were some discussions about 
players that hadn't played in the, the amount of minutes that maybe they, they would have liked to or, or we would have hoped for from them and potentially going out to play some games between now and the end of the season, whether that was a short-term loan or a loan to the end of the year. Um, the delight for us is that we can do that still now into mm. the National League or, or wherever we feel they need to go. So that doesn't particularly restrict us in terms of being in, in League Two because the next level down is to loan to the National League. So there was one or two like that. We, there, there was a couple of late... No uh, bits of interest in one or two of the boys that that, that did panic me late on Friday night. Um, you know, I, they are, yeah. I, I, can't, I wouldn't do yeah. that because it's I, not yeah, fair I, on the I boys. I'd be honest, more. Had to ask. Had to ask but, the question. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want to unsettle the boys, but I think that 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 disrupted. I thought I was driving home to have a bottle of wine with my dad, and a few. I had a few phone calls. It didn't go no further than that, but it was oh, like. Okay. She'll like, put my phone on aeroplane mode and just don't let it go away. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, I feel like every time you're on this podcast, we have a question about Miles Judd. So why would tonight be any different? What does Miles Judd need to do to improve to become a more credible option? We had a really good conversation, me and Juddy, this week. Um, we spoke about... Um, we spoke about some of, the, some of his choices and, and his selections in terms of what he does when he's on the ball and the types of passes that he plays and, and, and how we look at trying to improve that and develop that with him um, to, to make him a better player, to give him the opportunity to play his way back into the team. So I think that's um, definitely a realistic question because he's sort of been in and out this year and he's mm. got a, a midfield player playing in front of him at the moment. But like I said earlier, the, the qualities that George gives us in that position at the moment outweigh a little bit what what we see from Juddy at the moment. But that's not to say that that can't change quickly. And when Martin Ling sat where you're sat now, when he came on the podcast seven episodes ago, he said Miles needs to learn how to be a professional football player, be that on the pitch or off it. Has there been a, an improvement in him? Yeah, we had a, we had a, Juddy and I, I'm sure Juddy wouldn't be, wouldn't be um, against me saying that we had, a, we had a real strong conversation a while ago now about eight weeks ago, about that, about his, about his, about him improving in his professionalism and his focus more than if I don't want anyone to think that I'm questioning him as a professional, but about focus a little bit more because I think sometimes when you're a young player at a football club and you've come through and you've been there for a steadier period of time and the fans like you and, and, and things go in a positive direction, when you hit those first bumps in the road, it's very difficult to get over and the easy thing is to sit back and, 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 and not strive for more. So I think it's, it's that, it's that we all want the very best for Juddy. We all know what he's capable of, but it was about him really just having that focus now to, all right, it hasn't gone great for you, but how are you going to kick on now to, to come back and get back in the team and, mm. and give yourself a chance of being, being, being in, in and around the team on a more regular basis? So like I say, we all know what he's capable of. He's definitely improved on that side of the game. So any criticism that he's got on that front, it's got better. We just need to help him get better at certain things that are tactical, technical or whatever around around some of the performances that, that he's made this season to allow him to get back in. And I'll, I will be, along with the other coaches, doing everything we can. It's not just that I'm going to sit here and say, we've had the conversation and I've, you know, I've shown him and, and I will continue to help him to get better at what, at what, at what we've discussed. Um, what's your strategy for a player or anyone else who just doesn't buy into the direction in which you're going? I'm I'm not sure that you've necessarily had to deal with this yet, but no, I think I think my strategy first and foremost is to exhaust every single um, angle 
to making it happen mm. first. That's my that's my job. That's what I've always done. I've never given up on anybody. My job's been. I've I've coached five year old kids who don't want to be at the football session that their mum and dad have brought them to. So I know that I can motivate kids that that don't want to be involved in something. And I know that sounds like a drastic way to compare a professional footballer. But what I'm trying to say is that if somebody's coming in, come into this environment and they don't sign into things and they haven't done, well, I'm going to do everything I can to give you the opportunity. One, because I want everybody to have the opportunity to be successful and do well at this club. But secondly, I don't ever want anybody to be able to walk away from here and go, well, he just give up on me or he didn't do this or he didn't do that for me. No, I'm going to do everything I can so that when we shake hands and you walk away, or we don't and you move on, or that decision's made by me to, to allow you to move on, then I'm comfortable in that, in, in the knowledge that I've done everything that I can. So ultimately, if someone comes in and they don't sign up, they don't buy into what they want, then then as long as I've, I have the clubs backing that, that those players don't continue, then then that, that would be ultimately the final choice that I would make. We haven't had that. We haven't hit that, that, that level with anybody. Hope I don't have to, but the day that I do, I'll do everything I can to make sure that we can exhaust every angle before, before we go in, and, you know, in the directions that we both need to go in. Cool. Uh, next up, what interests do you have outside of football? <laughs> football. <laughs> <laughs> um, my obviously my kids and my missus. We, we you know we it, it's um, that's been a big thing for us all to learn. I think is our how much it consumes you, how much it takes up, how much coming into coming into the job permanently mm. and then having the transfer window was absolutely mind-blowing in terms Imagine. of the amount of phone calls that I've had. And the thing for me is I've always been so accessible to people because everybody's known me, so now all of a sudden they agents and people that do know me feel as though they can continue to pick the phone up, whereas yeah. perhaps they probably went to Martin or, or certainly to Justin before they got to me before so that's been something I've had to be able to get my head around I think that that's the biggest thing is throwing everything into spending time with my family um, I've been desperate to start playing golf but I ain't had the time to do it um, so for me it's just on a day off trying to trying to get me head around it trying to stay away from from the phone and putting everything into spending time with, 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 with the missus and the kids and 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 sadly, the only other things I do that are a bit extracurricular are football because my little boy plays. So I go and coach his team on a Wednesday night. I love it. It's like it's fantastic. Yeah. It's a bit of a release in terms yeah. of trying to control seven year olds who have no care in the world of who I am and what I do. Yeah, they drive me mad. And then and then watching them on a Sunday, take my little girl dancing, all that sort of stuff. Anything that any normal dad gets the opportunity to do. I make the most of that, so um, nice. I haven't got something direct. I'd love it to be golf. I'd love it to be marathon running, but I ain't got the time to do it. So I just throw everything into the kids. Um, in terms of next season, how are we planning for next season? Do you have a list of players in mind already? Well, I think the big thing for me is that the window's shut. So could I sit here in January the 27th and say that I was planning for the end of the season? No. Because honestly, it was carnage. I had a day off two Thursdays ago. We had a day off. And I sat at home and I said, I'm not going to answer the phone all day today. I had 53 phone calls. I counted them in the end because it had got so ridiculous. I thought, I'm just going to go through my call log. That was without any WhatsApps or text messages. 
I'd had 53 phone calls. So for me to plan summer recruitment then would have just been yeah. ludicrous. So we've already planned, as the window started to close on Friday, um, we've already planned meetings this week as opposed to, you know, players, players' contracts, where they're at, how they've performed, where it leads to to next year, players that we've liked, potential players to bring in. So there's an evolving list there's an evolving focus on different areas and positions. But is any of it finalised? No, not, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think after the way that the season has panned out this year, you know, poor old Steve Foster's had you know, mixed recruitment over the summer with us trying to do the best that we could in terms of the players that we brought in. Then he had a, you know, what was the plan going to be for January because Carl was here, then that quickly changed, you know, so so for him to have a real designated focus has been hard, but I think we've come through January pretty well. Now we will be this week and next week putting everything into starting to make it look or trying to plan what the, like the landscape of the squad's going to look like as we, as we head into the summer because the more prepared you can be for it, as, as simple as it sounds, the better it's going to be because it makes your job a lot easier. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, last one from the forum says you've developed good working relationships with Luke Williams at Swindon. Yep. And we've already touched upon Justin. I guess we've touched upon Justin in terms of what you've taken away. Take, did you take anything away from Luke Williams? And in what way have they influenced your management now? Yeah, it was, um, it was very interesting how mine and Luke's relationship developed because we went to the same school. I oh, did you? Um, and um, but we we'd never we'd never communicated with each other, but we come really good mates. He, he he took an age group here, um, in the under he took the under fourteens here while I was in charge of the academy, then went to Swindon and further down the line, obviously my, okay. me and Martin yeah. went to Swindon and it evolved like that that I stayed with him as his assistant, and yeah, learned a huge amount of him from a coaching perspective, probably more than. More than more than I did from from Justin because Justin was a bit more of a manager than he was a was a coach. So yeah, it took huge amounts in terms of the the way that I worked with Luke, and it, obviously he had a similar background to me in terms of not having had a playing career but ended up going into coaching and managing. So um, it was it was more of a more of a, a, a coaching perspective that I would say that I that I really developed, and and, and that was something that Luke and I developed over a, a number of years anyway. Brilliant. Right, two more questions. Yeah. And then, we'll, and then we'll let you go. Um, we've got two voice questions for you, actually, um, via the beauty of WhatsApp. So the first one is from Mark Schaffer, who uh, sent us a message. So Mark's uh, questions for you are here. Are you a superstitious manager? And do you have any pre-match rituals? I like it. I've got no... Um... I've got no lucky pants or socks or anything like that. Um, I got to a stage earlier in the season where I kept saying, do I wear the cap? Do I take the cap off? But it's my thing now and I quite, I quite like it. So I suppose you could argue that to a degree that is. My only outright superstition or thing that I do every single game is I have four chewing gums in the first half. And four chewing gums in the second half. Dear, dear. And, mad, <laughs> and, and madly, if that's the right word, I, I change. I, I throw the first two away after half an hour, and then have the last two for the last fifteen minutes. But the mad thing is, <laughs> th 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 this just happens now. 
And don't get me wrong, I don't check my watch to see if there's 15 minutes to go. But the mad thing is, I look down at my watch and there's either like 13 minutes or 17. It's so mad. Like I get so caught up in the game and then I might check the time and, and I'll wait. But I have, simply I have four chewing gums in the first half and four chewing gums in the second half. There you go. And, and the cap, that's a bespoke cap, right? Well, it's actually... Because you can't get... I'm right, so the, the, the... I had the red one last year. Yeah. I used to wear all the time. That never, ever went with a Jacko coat. But no. it, Clash. Uh, yeah, but it, it, it become it become the only one that I had. In the start of the season, I went into the club shop and got... It's the, the cap is from the club yeah, shop. But, the, but my... I searched high and low to get the... Here for the memories put on it. And in the end, I went to a... Um, just the local printers and they printed it onto some... Um, onto like a background and then my missus sewed it onto the hat oh nice oh wow nice fair play right the last one from our sponsor Adam good evening gentlemen it's uh, Adam here the fourth boring app podcaster (laughs) and uh, show sponsor Uh, hi to you all just a quick question Uh, hopefully the boys have already asked you Ross whether you need any plastering done or any of the players need plastering done as I have a 15% discount but I'm sure you've already heard this by now Uh, but my genuine question is uh, yesterday I thought we played really well down the left hand side the link up play between uh, JMD and James Brophy was outstanding yesterday yes although it was against potentially sort of worse opposition than maybe we've come up against but the link up play was really well do you see this as something that you're going to stick with going forward or will Joe Whitteson uh, get back in the squads uh, thanks um, thanks for your time and hopefully um, it's not too tough of a question for you I think um, genuinely meant that, that my missus does a lot of the work indoors but plastering is always one that comes up so uh, I'll bear that in mind and I'll uh, I'll let her know I think um, I think I answered it to a degree, yeah. the, the the Brophy one. But I think for me, whether people perceive him as a left back, like him as a left back, don't like him a left back. What it does give him when he plays in that position is it gives him a hell of a lot of space, and then we know the speed that he can carry the ball up the pitch. Um, he doesn't necessarily have to get in a position where he has to turn and face a full back or rely on people feeding him the ball. He can carry the ball up the pitch and join join attacks and start attacks like that. And then I think he does have a fantastic relationship and, and, and combines really well with Jordan because of the qualities that Jordan's got and the deliveries that he can put put into the box. So I think it comes back a little bit, the, the ultimate answer, it comes back to what I said earlier about does your team ever look exactly how you think your team looks, especially at this level, is forever evolving and it only takes a change higher up the pitch to maybe feel as though we've got to move Brophy up there, only change an injury or, or God forbid anything like that happening to me in order for Joe to get back in the team. But I think the one big thing is, is Joe and I have spoken this week about it, that he's getting back to fitness and Brophy's in the team and he's, the credibility that he's he's got in terms of playing in that position means that Joe can't get back in the team at the moment. So for as long as James is, is performing to the levels that he is at the moment, then it means that Joe's not going to get in. But ultimately, we want the best performers in the team performing to the best of their ability every week. And like I said earlier, if that means Conor Wilkinson at right back, then yeah. then, then then so be it. We, we, we need to get the best performances and that's going to get us the best results. So that wraps up all the questions for us. I thank you to everyone who sent in questions via Twitter, Facebook, or the forum and at 2 hours 56 minutes at 11.36pm on this Sunday evening it's probably time to start wrapping this one up so Fantasy Football Update Pat Morgan is top of the On Outlook podcast Fantasy Football League 
1,547 points. He's ahead of Andy Chalk in second place on 1,539 points. I had a better week. I'm in 121st place now. Yeah. I have 286 players. Dream team, Robert Haw- uh, Sorry, R. Hawks, I beg your pardon, is top of the Orient Outlook Podcast League. He's on 14, or they are on 1,449 points, just nine points ahead of B. Boatman, who's in second place, and Steve's doing much better in this one. 24th that, out of 87. Is that Robert? Yes. I hope he's still doing his coaching. I met him on a Sunday morning. Ben Boatman. No, no, Robert Hawks. Oh, Robert Hawks. Oh, okay. sure it was, I was so Rob, him at uh, Harlow the other week. Yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, at Harlow Orient, his Twitter handle. Yeah, so uh, Oliver was playing a game on a Sunday morning, the day after the Forest Green game. Oh, really? Yeah, and I walked over and he was coaching a team. So it was great oh, was that see. him? That, okay, yeah. so I heard that story. Robert, give us a DM. We will pass it on to Mr. Embleton so that let's know whether you're in coaching or not. So, positives and negatives of the week? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, go on then. So positives, transfers in, very happy with the transfer activity. Johnson, Sterling, Vigoro, Cidze, and we're at Marsh in there as an extension. Second positive this week is the convincing win at Stevenage. Great for winning, but obviously the clean sheet and Russ has alluded to the goal difference, so another three on the goal difference. And the last positive of the week is Mr Satori, who's a brace on yeah. fire at the moment, so long may that continue. Absolutely. Uh, the only two negatives we've got, the away loss... Uh, to crew and obviously uh, the Danny Webb situation has been discussed earlier on in the show. So we move on then to the hero of the week and it's going to be two on the trot for this guy. So, yeah, so without further ado. Ruel Satori, yeah. well done Ruel. He won it last week and man. We, uh, we debated whether it should happen two on the bounce but he's played well, yeah, scored well, goals. Continue, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so moving on into next week's fixture. It's just the one fixture coming up for Yo's this week. And it's a biggie as Macclesfield Town visit Brisbane Road on Saturday, the 8th of February, as it's kids for a quid returning to Brisbane Road. So that means all under-18s are just the one pound throughout the stadium, apart from the Legends Lounge and, and hospitality, whether bought in advance or on the day. So I think it'll be quite a big Excellent. attendance in now. One, lots and lots of kids coming to the O's. Macclesfield are 22nd in League 2. They lost 1-0 at home to Northampton on Saturday. <clears throat> so another win will pull us further away from our opponents in a game which you look at and hopefully Phil was there for the taking for the O's and at the moment Macclesfield had to release another three players I think someone tweeted us yesterday so they've only got 15 yeah. players yeah, it's been ongoing for a in while in their squad yeah so shame yeah absolutely so if you see us in or around the ground come over say hello and why not give us an oi oi and if you see Mr Wimbledon you can say oi oi to the third outlooker if you see so a sponsorship reminder don't forget for the best <coughs> plastering and rendering prices around visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for this mammoth episode 207. You now hold the record for the longest podcast uh, ever, surpassing Martin Ling by about five or ten minutes. It's been a very busy week at Orient as another two league games were played as the O's were unlucky to lose away to high-flying crew Alexandra on Tuesday night, but followed it up with an emphatic win at bottom of the table, Stevenage, on Saturday as Ruel Satoru bagged the brace and Us Cisse got his first goal for the club to leave the away fans in dreamland. It was a decent week of transfer activity too as long-term target Danny Johnson signed for the club as well as young Spurs Champions League experience Kaziah Sterling as there's no further departures from the O's but to cap off a great week we also had the chairman, CEO and director of football meeting fans and answering questions with openness, honesty and integrity to cap off a pretty decent week for the Orient. Yeah, and like we said, what feels like a long time ago, that podcast, the Q&A that we recorded, will be available on our 
services later this week. We'll be back with episode 208 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need. So like we always say, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give the podcast a review. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they're uploaded. We're also on all smart speakers, so listening to the podcast has got even easier. And if you have an older relative, a loved one, or an audience chum who you think will like the podcast, grab the phone, download it for them, and pass the pod. So, Mr. Embleton, thank you. Thank you for joining us. There's thank not many so football league managers who would do a, a fan run punk podcast, but let alone, I think this is like your sixth or seventh appearance, and come at it for three hours, three hours and open yeah. and answer all the questions. Like no, you've done no, so. No thank, thank you for coming. You, well Appreciate done on, on Saturday. Long may it continue. We look forward to here. Hopefully talking about many more wins under Mr. Embleton's reign. And remember, so as always, to keep calm, have a great week, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.